by the way, I'm not sure when this is airing, but if it's airing like next, then I just want to say thank you, Ryan Drake, for opening for me. I really appreciate you opening for me on this uh, on this media tour. Hey, welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Well, we're back in the house, and then we've got Dylan Irwin. What's up, man? You know, this is a really nice house to be back <laughs> in. I'll say that much. It is. It's always funny, too. Like, every time I record a podcast, I feel like a liar. Like, we haven't been here talking, like, for already, like, 20 minutes. I, I feel, yeah, no, I... <laughs> you feel dishonest. I feel I feel dishonest because I'm... Well, the good thing is I've gotten to test my material and engage your reaction, <laughs> and then I get to do it again. But, but no, uh, for... for for those of you who are not with us, which is all of you, um, this is a really sweet space. There's a nice big couch. There are microphones. We're seated six feet apart, of course, because we believe in science. <laughs> the COVID theater, and, as uh, my friend calls it. <laughs> and it's it's just so cool. It's so chill. I feel like I'm on a non-creepy version of the Howard Stern show. <laughs> um, but no, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, dude. Um, we were just talking about how funny it is, like how you meet people and such. And I met you through... Ryan Drake, friend mm-hmm. of the show. And, um, but yeah, you guys started uh, Keeping Up with Coens. My current oh, favorite yeah. obsession, my current favorite podcast. Dude, I'm so glad you like Keeping Up with Every. I'm, I fucking love the show. And I told Ryan already, I, mm-hmm. you said you listened to the episode. I had to stop watching episodes. I was like <laughs> balls deep into season three. And well, I'm like, I've got to pump my fucking brakes or I'm like not going to know the stuff they're talking about. Because you're barely about to be the season uh-huh. two, right? Yeah, we're only on season two and we're we're thinking about switching up the format a little bit with how many episodes we cover. It's nothing set in stone yet, but because a lot of people, we had one of two problems. We had the problem one was, you know, people doing what you're doing and just barreling through everything and then not knowing where to, where to watch, where to listen, where to do this. But then you have people who are just unable to, as Ryan said, I think, consume four episodes at a time and then listen to a two-hour podcast on each disc and this and that. But, dude, it makes me cowards. so happy. That's who, that's, don't, you don't have to hold back. They're cowards. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, <laughs> what else are you going to do? You, I I'm, I think I low-key have, like, a uh, like an addictive personality. Oh. Because, like, I already love the OC. So, like, when that podcast came out, I had listened to, uh, I had started a different podcast before I knew you guys were doing one. It was um, these two girls, or these three girls, and I was, like, I was kind of wanted to check it out because it was, like, one girl had seen it one time a long time ago. One girl was just watching it, and then one girl was, like, very, like, versed. So, I was, like, this is going to be a cool dynamic, and it was just, like, this is not very good. I can't remember which one it was. So, when Ryan said that you guys were starting one, I was, like, fuck, like, this is so good, and then... Right around that time, we got HBO Max, mm-hmm. and it's on HBO Max. So I was like, I was, I'm not lying when I tell you I was mainline in it. Like I was, I was watching probably in one night. Probably I watched four episodes. Dude, that's I mean, I'd be I'd be I was going to sleep at like two a.m. <laughs> like, <laughs> what a better. There's literally no better way to spend your time. And I, 
So you kind of hit on something that's one of the big dark secrets. I can't remember if I mentioned this. But the big dark secret of the podcast is we market ourselves as a box set rewatch podcast. Yeah, yeah. But none of us actually watch the discs. <laughs> that's what it's funny. It's the little bit of behind the oh, scene yeah. how the sausage is made. Yeah. Which I don't I think I tagged you guys, but I found the box set oh. at uh I mean you may have been Chelsea that's seen it because I think she's the one that kind of does the social, mm-hmm. but uh family Family video was closing. Oh, man. And I was actually going for a friend to see, like, what kind of stuff they had because I kind of know what he likes. And I was like, eh, I'm probably not going to find anything I like. Um, and I, I just happened to walk by TV shows, and it was like one, two, three, four seasons of the OC. I was like, what? That's, that's. So I had to buy it. And it was like $28 for all, se- all the entire series. I was like, this is pretty good. It's a beautiful. It's beautiful because not only I love the packaging. But it also doubles as a way to really annoy people on the road because if you put all four of the box sets on your dashboard, the sun will reflect off of that unbelievable like. They are. Oh, it's like a. It's like holographic. Yeah, you're like a you're like a, a Lisa Frank ambulance. <laughs> it's great, dude. <laughs> but uh, but no, I am I'm I'm really lucky to be on that podcast as uh, as they joke about. I shoehorned my way in. <laughs> Yeah, the Oliver to there, oh, Marissa and Ryan. Gosh, I I determined that twenty twenty was going to be the year that I started as many podcasts as possible, and whenever I saw the tweets between you know Ryan and Chelsea about it, I was like, well, hey, I want to piggyback. Hey, off don't of leave this. me out. Yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> I was like, she's popular on TikTok. Ryan's popular on Twitter. This will be my moment. <laughs> Let me. Uh... Ride on your coattails. <laughs> oh, it's great. And <laughs> very comfortable those coattails are, I got to say. But um, but no, dude, I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. And we have some fun stuff planned, and I, and I, I hope that you continue to enjoy it. Yeah, sure. I sure will. I actually, I don't, I've been pretty uh, uh, cavalier mm-hmm. is a nice way, what nice way to put it for myself. As far as like releasing episodes for my show. And so I'm trying to look right now, like doing a little uh, phone search here. In real time. But I think the very, is Ryan's episode the last episode? It's going to be like back-to-back Cohen's. Yeah. It is. His episode is the very last Heck episode. yeah. He's, uh, he's That's the, funny. the most generous <laughs> opening act that I have ever gotten on on this on this media tour. Oh, that that's what doing. you're saying. Okay, that's what you're saying. Yeah, he, right. uh, he's, he's, he's opening up for me. And next up, you got to get Chelsea on here so you can complete the set and get a fruit sub sandwich. <laughs> that's what you got to do. But oh my god! Yeah, get a Balboa bar for it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. But so bre- the breaking OC news. I gotta say this because I was just looking at it on Instagram. I don't know if you saw this yet. Oh shit! But you know we're really concerned on the show. Not not me. I'm really just concerned about comic books. But they're really concerned with who's following who on social media. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And I don't know if you saw this, but Rachel Bilson posted on her Instagram a picture of her with Melinda Clark. And for a flashback Friday. Yeah. And, you know, of course, the tinfoil begins growing out of my ears onto my head for my tinfoil hat. And I'm like, wait, is there going to be a reboot? But I, I don't think that there is. Nothing oh crazy like God. that. But it was just so nice seeing. It's almost like, okay, it's like in school whenever you're learning something and you have no frame of reference for it, and then you go out into the world and you see it actually happening, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's photosynthesis. That's kind of what it felt like. <laughs> like, it's happening. It's, oh my gosh, powerhouse of the cell. But that's what I felt like when I saw that picture. I'm like, oh my gosh, they do exist. It's happening. <laughs> it's really happening, and we're here for it. That's what I saw. It was like uh, Ben McKenzie was like on, um, oh man, I forget the guy's name. 
But he was Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor in um, Smallville. But he has a podcast. Oh, that guy. Uh, Rosen, Rosen, Rosenbaum, Rosenbaum, something like that. Yeah. But he has a podcast, and he had um, he had uh, Ben McKenzie on, Ooh. and he was talking about. Actually, you guys talked about this too. He's like, yeah, it was kind of weird. Like I was pretty old, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Misha Barton's like 17. He was like, it was kind of weird. Oh, my God. So I'm like, wow, that's so funny that you guys talked about that, too. I was just like, and I've never thought about that before, and I didn't even, I guess it never even occurred to me that those guys weren't. Oh, yeah. You know, when I'm a, when you're a kid, you're like, obviously, they're teenagers playing teenagers. Yeah. No, but it's often it's not the case. I um, I still think the most shocking thing is the fact that Haley Cooper, who's supposed to be, you know, like oh, in right, her 20s, right. Was actually nineteen years old, I think, in those episodes. I think we we already talked about that, but it's just it's so funny. And the most stark realization that Hollywood casts whoever they want to. I remember was the first time I watched Dawson's Creek, and I realized that like James Vanderbeek and Katie Holmes were supposed to be fourteen, I think, in that first season or something, fourteen what? or fifteen. In the world. Yeah, and so I just and you know there's it's not. I don't know. I guess it's not the best decision in 2021 to have, you know, the very first season, a big plot point, be a student sleeping with a teacher when they're 14. Um, not but, a good uh, look. There is yeah. that that show right now, though, with uh, Kate Mara. What? It's called, like, Te- The Teacher or something. Oh, I can't remember man. what it's called. It's on Hulu. And I was like, what the fuck? They made this show? Like, why did they make this show? Does this? I think it's The Teacher Sleeping with the Student. I don't know if he's... I think he's like a junior or senior. Not that that makes it any better, but I'm like, what the fuck? Does this mean we're getting old if we're concerned about stuff like this? <laughs> I just, I mean, you know, phase one is I watched Christmas Vacation this year as I do every year. And I find that I'm relating more to um, Clark Griswold right. than Rusty. Um, but I'm realizing now that if we're worried about the media that the youth are consuming, I feel like that means we're getting old. The youths. The youths. I feel like I need to quickly sell all my skinny jeans and start doing a middle part so the Zoomers <laughs> will like me. I'm on TikTok, everybody. I hope you just accept me. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness. That's amazing, man. All right. I promise. Okay. I don't know. I probably have, like, the last, li- the listeners <laughs> probably are like, this fucking guy started a, a, a Cohen's stand podcast. <laughs> That ends the Cohen's hour, okay? Perfect. We're, we're going to move on now, I promise. I'm sorry to everybody listening that <laughs> doesn't give a fuck about the OC. Well, I, but, uh, uh, they should. They should. You ought to, but if you don't, it's okay because we're moving on because we got plenty to talk about. Oh, my gosh. And we, one of the things we have to talk about, Mr. Irwin, is uh, the the sad boy music, the, oh, e- the emo music. The emo music. So this is funny, too, because it's like one of those things where um, – it, everyone's so accessible, like on social media and everything mm-hmm. too. So I think it's like one of those things where I like, I follow you on Instagram, obviously, and I think you posted like on stories from like the Spotify stuff you're listening to. Oh yeah, and I was like, this fucking guy's hitting, dude. And it was before I really knew you. I'd followed you because of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, after like the first episode of Cohen's, and I was like, okay, like this guy's posting some shit. <laughs> There's some, I don't know if it was Thursday or something, but I was like, okay. You have my interest. I I love it. I so I actually do that for two reasons. One, because I want people to know how cool I am, <laughs> uh, based on what it's I'm listening flex. to. It's, it's a flex. Ev- everything is a flex for a millennial. Everything. <laughs> uh, and the other reason, um, which I think is the, is a sweeter reason, is my mom and I love music. And when I was growing up, you know, a lot of the conversations, stuff that we would have, and a lot of the connections that we would make would be when she was driving me to school and she'd be like, put on whatever you want, put on whatever you're listening to. So my mom and I would be like listening to 
you know, fallout boy, dashboard confessional, things like that. And so these days, you know, my mom and I follow each other on social media and everything. And so I like to have it there. So whenever she's like, I wonder what Dylan's listening to. She just pops onto my story and she's like, oh, he's listening to Thursday. <laughs> he's listening to zeal and ardor. What's that? Standing in a car crash. Wow. Yeah. What does that mean? Dylan? <laughs> What's going on? I think I've told this story before, but uh, that's like just like a funny thing. You know, your parents want to relate, mm-hmm. which is great. I mean, it's nice. It's just they're trying to meet yeah. you, like understand why you like the things you like. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad um, had he took me once uh, growing up. I was a a, a, a Southern Baptist. Oh, I mean, Creek kind of guy. But uh, so, you know, we went to Mardell, got all our music at a Mardell. <laughs> and uh, so he took me to Mardell and he's like, why don't you pick a couple CDs out? And so I was like, sweet. Because I'm like, at that time, it's like, uh, it's not horrible music. Even to today, mm-hmm. today, like some of the stuff I listen to, I remember embarrassed about. And I'm like, oh, like that's mm-hmm. so cringe. I'll listen to like Family Force 5 and shit like that. Oh, yeah. But there's shit that held up that I'm like, okay, like I actually knew what the fuck I was doing back then. And so... I remember I got two CDs that day. I got Son, I Loved You at Your Darkest, As Cities Burn. I don't know if you ever listen to those guys. Mm-hmm. The other one was The Chariot, Ooh. which is a dude from ex-Norma Jean guy, Josh Scogan, I think his name is, but he, he left Norma Jean, started a band called The Chariot. It's straight-up screamo shit. I love I think that. they were on Tooth and Nail at the time, too. Anything Tooth and Nail, I like, couldn't mess with me. So, yeah, you were an Undroth guy. Exactly. Right? Oh, my gosh. So, so which, okay. Put a pin in that. We're talking. We're okay. coming back to Undro. <laughs> Remind me, we're talking about Undro. But uh, so, <laughs> you know, about the CD, about these two CDs, and he's like, "Why don't you put one in? We'll we'll check it out." And uh, <laughs> you know, bought it at Mardale, obviously. So he yeah. knows what time it is. It's like, it's all like Bible thumper music, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we play this, and it's very much not like uh-huh. John uh, or what's like a Christian artist, um, Michael W. Smith. Michael W. Smith or Carmen is what he's thinking. R.I.P. By the way, peace. yep, oh. that's right. Is it re- fresh on the mind? So shout out to Carmen. Rest in peace. Rest <laughs> in power, King. But um, so he's thinking. I'm think I'm like fully think that he has that kind of uh-huh. shit in mind. It's gonna be like oh, like gospely. Maybe it's like third day or something. Misbehaving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So we put it in, and it's very much not that. Oh, yeah. And so he's like, it's just screaming, like, it's very aggressive, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, this is very much my shit. And uh, I'm just there vibing. Because I knew, like, I knew some of the songs ahead of time, because it's like, it, it had to have been my MySpace profile song or something, one of the Chariot <laughs> songs. And I was like, I got to get that album. Uh-huh. So I knew what songs I liked. So I was like, I put on one that I knew I liked. And he listened to it. I mean, he didn't shit on it. He was just like, he sat there and listened to it the whole time. Like, we're driving. He didn't like, what is it? Or, like, make any faces. He was just listening. And, uh, but the thing that did make, I mean, at the time, I'm like, but later thinking about it made me laugh. That At the very end of the song, like, the song ends or whatever, and he turns it down, you know. And he's like, well, I didn't hear him talk about Jesus once in that. <laughs> and he like, I'm like, do you think they, like, name drop in every song, dude? Like. It was just like very wholesome, you know, thinking back now at that story. I'm like, that is so funny, man. I love it. Because, I mean, that's such a weird thing that happened at such a specific point. And I feel like bottled lightning for sure. Oh my gosh. Because I remember that the situation more often than not around like 2001 to 2004 was I would listen to like a really, really dope, like post hardcore band. Yes. And I would find out, oh, they're a Christian band. Like, I, um, uh, my my girlfriend when I was in in undergrad, um, she always referred to Under Oath as oh you mean like Under Oath the Christian band, 
And it's just, it's insane to me because I feel like it's not just Under Oath that did that. It's like a whole bunch of these different groups that it was almost like weird if you were a post-hardcore band that wasn't a Christian band. That's so true. It was like... But they were all like Christians in a band. Yeah, Let me, yeah. Let's not get it twisted. Yeah, Christians in a band. It's the distinction. Yeah. I um. But but no, I. So I actually I play music at the church that I go to right now, and I've noticed that it's done a really weird pivot. The 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 worship music has, and it's almost like it's pivoted with our generation because now it's kind of turned into more of the. I mean, I don't know. For a while, it was like every band was like a Lumineers <laughs> kind of band, and then <laughs> and then like yeah, and then after that, it was like Stomp and Holler <laughs> kind of praise and worship bands. Yeah, which dude, I loved it because <laughs> because if you're gonna go up there and let me play like a Stomp and Holler praise and worship song, I'm gonna turn it into a Big Tent revival. That was always my <laughs> it was my it. it was my loving threat that I would always make at a, at my old churches. I'd say. I want to have an old big tent revival where everyone comes in with their fans and we just have a great time, but it's just, it's really interesting. And the even more interesting thing is seeing how all of these bands are branding themselves now. Cause you know, the, the big deal for, for our generation was when Switchfoot came out yeah. and just dropped these, these just really dope tracks. Meant to live boy. Oh, meant to live. And then, and then they, they followed up with dare you to move. And you're just like, yeah, this is great. And they're like, by the way, we're talking about Jesus. And you're like, like all right, John Foreman. Yeah. It's like, who has a solo career now? Yes. I guess. I've been keeping my eyes <laughs> wide open. I think he does a song with Lauren Daigle. Who, really? My wife loves her. Oh my, my wife loves her too. I feel like, I don't know what it, I think it's, I mean, I've listened to some of her. And I agree. Look Up Child is such a good album. It's unbelievable. I she I she she Madison's very much like a song person. Like she, I don't think she could pick Lauren Daigle out of a lineup or even oh yeah. <laughs> name like she would know she knows all the words of the songs, but she doesn't yeah. know the name of the song, name of the album, nothing. Yeah, she's the Christian singer that sounds like Adele. Yeah. That's how I know who she, she sings is. that. You say I am weak. Is that yeah. her? Okay, uh-huh. I think yeah. I knew that's that's I know that song because of her specifically. Like Madison loves her. But like anyway, yeah. But like you have these these bands like Switchfoot, who literally kind of pulled a Switchfoot at the at the very end, where they're like, "Oh, actually, we're not a Christian band. We're Christians anymore." Band. Yeah, it's it's. But thanks. Um, <laughs> and I noticed, and maybe this is the dovetail to start talking a little bit about about Under Oath. But I remember that was a huge deal, and that was almost the way, kind of like your dad, that I could get other people not into that kind of music to understand why I liked it. It's like. Check it out. This guy loves Christ so much, he's literally screaming about it. And it's like, oh, like, I never thought of yeah. that angle. Yeah, and I was like, that's hey, good shit. It's pretty great. Damn, I should have thought of that when but, I was a kid. But so I was, you know, I was curious about this, and they just had a new album come out recently. And Under Oath did? Yeah. Oh, shit. You check that out. And I think it was like within the last three years or something like that. And they've completely done a 180. And it's not, it's like, you know, you have phase one, we're a Christian band. Right. Phase two were Christians in a band. And then they went with phase 400 where they're like, (laughs) we no longer believe in God, but we're still a band. And so I've never seen a crisis of faith in a band in real time, but it's interesting. Um, I mean, the music's still, still dope. It's just not Christian post hardcore. Yeah. It's more like electronica type. Yeah. I think I might actually have heard something from this last album because I was like, because I, Okay, we got to stay on Under Oath, but just a side tangent. Mm-hmm. Silverstein kind of did something mm-hmm. similar where it was like more electronica type shit. Yeah. And I was like, the fuck are y'all doing? Anyway, Under Oath, mm-hmm. I do remember 
it's always funny whenever you get your intro to the band and then you remember it was um, The Sun Still Sleeps. Do you remember that song? Barely. It was like their one of their first hits, and it's so – it has horrible, 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 like, piano key strings oh. as, like, part of the intro. We'll have to listen to it mm. um, <laughs> when we get done because it's just like, dude, this is so bad. I love it. But um, – it's just funny because, like, I will always, like, bump the shit out of that song, though, because I fucking love that song. And it was, like, the f- your intro to the band. And, of course, then you kind of start – you find that band and you like, oh, okay, who do these guys, like, tour with? Mm-hmm. I would get, like, a CD and be, like, uh, look at the thank yous in, oh, the, I love in the sleeve, you know? And then That's I'd be like, idea. oh, shit, they said uh, thank you to uh, – okay, I've heard this band name. Like, these guys must be cool because they're friends with Under Oath. And then I would get a CD from them, and then I would look at their sleeve and be like, oh, okay, here's another band. I could. It was like the so, Discover it, Spotify oh of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's how I found a lot of mine. I I went a step. I guess, no, See, you were doing the big brain stuff. Big brain. I was doing, <laughs> I was doing, okay, I was the kid who would buy a soundtrack for a movie that he didn't like just because there was one song on there he wanted. Oh, right. Okay, that's a and good so, way, too, though. I mean, then you have a whole. I have so many James Bond movie soundtracks. <laughs> Like I had, dude. I had the soundtrack for "The World Is Not Enough" because Jesus. I liked that theme song. What was the theme on that one? "The World Is Not Enough" by Garbage. Garbage. I think. Okay. Which I mean, it's not one of my favorites, but still, you know. Well, you can't, I mean, that's not a high bar with a band named Garbage. I guess. Yeah, really. <laughs> but <laughs> yuck, but, yuck, 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 yuck. But I, uh, what I would do is I would look at the record label, and so I joke around. Oh, that that's smart too. Yeah. I have like I can almost define different musical, I guess eras in my life based on the record label and so like i started off with my fueled by ramen dude that's the or no sorry i started off with drive through records oh shout out to drive through drive through you're oh speaking my, my language either way so you know we started out with drive through then after that i pivoted into the militia group with okay. bands like copeland and stuff like that shout out to copeland then pivoted to fueled by ramen and that's kind of been and then i branched off after that but i remember thinking like okay if if Drive Through Records has Newfound Glory and I like Newfound Glory, the label's probably gonna have other bands that I like. I think that who else was on Drive Through? I want to say that Saves the Day was on Drive Through. I think Saves the Day was. I think uh, Alistair was on Drive Through. Fuck around and do some uh, live Googling as Let's we speak. Midtown, I want to say. <sighs> Dude, we talked about Midtown because uh, mm-hmm. we were talking. It was that one day we were talking on yeah. Instagram, and I was like, "These are the guys I fuck with heavy." Dude, and you're like, "Check out this playlist," and it was a banger. Dude, I, uh, I I can't remember who else was on drive through. I I like to think that pretty much everyone for a time they were, I feel like drive through records in like the late nineties, early two thousands is a lot like what fueled by ramen became and still kind of currently is because I feel like everyone has to pass through fueled by ramen at this point. It's literal drive through, man. Yeah, like they're just they're just passing through. It's literally a drive through record <laughs> label. But because I was so I was listening today um, to the new Nothing Nowhere album, and I noticed, and I hadn't realized this, that he's on Fueled by Ramen, and I remember, wow, um, oh gosh, who's this band? Who's this band? I'm gonna have to do some live googling too. But there's this band that I just got into, and they just got signed um, by Fueled by Ramen. Alistair was on Drive Through, by the way. Somewhere down in Fullerton was my jam. Dude, <laughs> I want to find this. Oh, what is this band? What is this band? Come on. Oh, wow. Phoenix DX. That was one. Finch. Wasn't MXPX on there? 
Uh, or were they too cool? Mm, I don't see them on here. The movie life. Well, I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> That's the thing is nostalgia will hit you so hard. I it takes you back to, oh, since it's failed to, and something corporate. Sin- something corporate. Oh, my gosh. Man, I saw, okay, so I saw Steel Train. Steel Train was signed to drive through at one time. Dude. And I saw them. Fuck, I don't want to derail. Okay, continue looking at what you're looking at. Meet me at the altar. Is That's this who band. It was? Yeah, so it's okay. Meet Me at the Altar, and I gotta I gotta give a shout out to these to these gals. So I they were on my Discover playlist, and it is I think that they're all like under the age of twenty, three African American gals who are literally bringing the pop punk energy. Damn, and it's so good. Crushing and I I remember I I got into them because I found a YouTube video of them covering a Paramore song, and then I started listening to all their other stuff, and I just just absolutely devoured all their EPs. And then like a month later, they were like, we have a big announcement. We just got signed to Field by Ramen. And they released a music video and I'm just like, this, it makes me so happy. I think I tweeted at them about it too. But like, as, I feel like we're now the old guard. Like we're, we came of age during the first big heyday of that style of music. And so I kind of almost feel like, I don't know, like the I'm the Bilbo Baggins now, where it's like <laughs> you could go on your own adventures right. now, Frodo. But you know, seeing that this new generation, it's a new, a new generation completely different from from you know makeup wise from our generation is getting to experience this in, in the same way. And you know, I don't know how much you know about like the scene itself back when it was happening, but it wasn't super accepting of a whole lot of people other than just white dudes. Yeah, like if you had kind of like look a certain way yeah but and like that's why paramore was such a big deal because it's like whoa they got a girl singer shreds and just the fact that now you have meet me at the altar and bands like that that are just up and coming that are killing it that are doing it better than some of those bands back in the day it's just that i mean if you want to just look at a, at a maelstrom of progress there's something for you to look at no for sure man yeah i love that yeah but but no that's so cool but um under oath I have oh to yeah, t- yeah i have to tell you an under oath get back story. to under oath I, so I got into Under Oath hardcore after I heard, um, oh gosh, Reinventing Your Exit. Very and much my shit. So I listened to that. And at that point, I wasn't super into screaming, but I was like, hey, I, you know, so I wouldn't it's have like Spencer. like half and half. Yeah. So it's like, I could ignore Spencer's parts while Aaron. loving Aaron's parts. Right. And so I remember I got that. And then I slowly got into the screaming more and more and more and more and more. Until, you know, It's a Dangerous Business Walking at Your Front Door uh, becomes my favorite song on the album. That freaking, uh, the freaking bridge with uh, the choir. Yes. I was like, wow. So good. And it drops out, and then it's just the choir. Dude. And that, then when it comes back in. That blew my mind. I was like, fuck. So, like, that album comes out, and I love it. And then I'm into a band enough where I feel like it, this is still something people can experience in, like, streaming age. But... Do you remember how hype you would get when you found a band that you loved and then they announced they had a new album coming out? And you're like, this is perfect timing. I'm yes. just now into them. <laughs> and so Define the Great Line came out. And I remember I was working for my dad's law firm. Um, and the statute of limitations has passed, so I can say this without getting in trouble. But I was supposed to be like running errands, like going to the courthouse and, and going to the bank and all this stuff. But instead, I went to the mall. I went to Sam Goody in the mall. May have gotten a wow. may have gotten a pretzel. I don't know uh, on the way out, but I picked up "Define the Great Line." I got back into my 1997 F-150. I put "Define the Great Line" in my disc changer, and I drove around Lawton 
until the album was done because I couldn't stop listening to it because it it's was very good. it was so good because that was the first time I mean I'd under I'd heard the concept of concept albums or like albums that you listen to from start to finish you know this is right around the time where you know you can go one of two ways as a music fan you can become one of the I'm just going to pick out one song from all these artists and do it or you can become the I'm going to listen to this like my parents did on vinyl. I'm gonna listen to every song, start to cover finish. to cover. And so I listen to a that completionist, album. dude. I listen to it cover to cover, and still to this day, that album can give me chills. It's tough to skip around on bands or on albums like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one that comes to mind is Dave Elkin or Mays, The Everglow. Oh, that's one you don't skip around. It's like really you just because one fades into the other, fades into the other. Like that's I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That that album. I, I got that album accidentally. Do you, I don't know if you have any albums like this where you go to the store and it, it almost reminds me of like going book shopping or going like to the to Blockbuster or rent a movie where I got something purely based on the cover. Oh, yeah. And I picked up the Everglow and I was just like, this is so cool. It looks kind of weird, Tim Burton-y, but also hopeful. It was. It was very like, mm-hmm. very Tim Burton. Like il- the illustration was very quirky. Oh, yeah. And so I knew nothing about the band. And I get it, and I pop it in, and it's just so good. It's very good. Probably their best album, I'd oh, say. Oh, my gosh, yes. But, yeah, they're great. Um, Tooth and Nail, I think, at the time, too. I mean, Tooth yeah. and Nail couldn't miss. They had Anne Berlin. They had May. At one time, they had Copeland. Shout out to Aaron Marsh again. Mm-hmm. Um, Falling Up, I think, was on there. I don't know if you listen to those guys. Those guys were cool. But, dude, at one time, they just could not miss, man. Have you listened to any of Copeland's newer stuff? I really haven't. I kind of, I mean, it's, there's some bands where I'm like, I respect like their body of work, but I don't necessarily like bump their bump it all the time. Yeah. Um, and Copeland's kind of one of those. Like I'm a Beneath Medicine Tree kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Same with the format. Like I'm a Dog Problems kind of guy. Dog like, Problems is so good. I mean, there's just, and it's not like that. I don't like their other shit. It's just that, um, that was very much what I was into. Oh shit! Speaking of uh, the format. I was telling you earlier about Steel Train. Uh-huh. So Steel Train, I saw them. I didn't really know who they were, but Jack Antonoff oh. is the lead guy in Steel Train. I guess I didn't so realize that. Speaking of the format, because then he starts fun with Nate uh-huh. Nate from the format. But it was when I went to go see Jack's Mannequin. And so Jack's Mannequin was the headliner, and Steel Train was the opener. Mm-hmm. And they fucking ripped. I was like, Dude. I've never heard these guys, but these guys are tight. And it was, way, it was before... Any is before fun, like it was probably two thousand seven or eight that I saw them, and it wasn't it wasn't very long after that that fun started pop, popping off after that. But dude, Jack, but, but they killed. But yeah, Jack's mannequin. It was a Glass Passenger tour. I oh, think. that was so I fucking love that album. That was so that album. Like I have so much nostalgia. Swim, for that I album. think, is on that one. Uh huh. Swim uh, and uh, Crashin' yeah. and. Those first, I think it's like those first four tracks, especially. I have such vivid memories of putting it on on my iPod or iPhone. I don't even remember. I think it was iPhone. Yeah, yeah. Let's say let's say it was iPhone because you know it's really important being very detail oriented. <laughs> this motherfucker doesn't yeah. even know if it was an iPod or an iPhone. Yeah, what what is he lying about now? <laughs> but I I always remember putting it on and walking around OU campus, walking to French class, which is all the way on the other side of campus. Um, to ultimately get my worst grade in school in French. But uh, je sais pas. Um, but that album is so good. But then, dude, Jack Antonoff is absolutely a machine. Man. He's a prolific bastard. I mean, yeah. I didn't know how much writing he did. 
because he didn't he produce a bunch of Taylor Swift's new stuff? I believe so. I think he did, and then I think he worked on uh, um, Lord's album Pure yes. Heroin. Yes, I believe yes. that he produced that. Dude, I like so my guy's got my guy's got skills. Yeah, I mean, for also shout out to the, those Taylor Swift albums; those are yeah. so good. Which I don't is I can't remember if he was if he did some shady shit or if that was someone else. I hope not. It's tough. Oh, it's dude. it's tough too because it's like the separating the art from the artist. Like, at what point do you do that type of thing? But that's very touchy to me because I'm like, fuck, man, I don't know. Like, it's yeah, it's I don't know. The hard thing about that is so that's something that that I used to talk about a whole lot in college when I was getting into horror literature because H.P. Lovecraft is. Like, I mean, the, the the dude can't really write dialogue, but he is such a good horror guy. Those are ho- terrifying stories, super imaginative, but the guy was so racist. Jesus. So racist. And so this whole question of whether you can appreciate, you know, separate the art from the artist, and I noticed that that's, that's been happening a lot in, in music. It happened, happening in, in movies a whole lot, too, because I remember, like, I, I used to be a massive Woody Allen fan. Um, you know, like, yeah, like Midnight in Paris and all that stuff. Right. But I found out, you know, the more I kind of read about it and the fact that there's this documentary coming out called Alan versus Pharaoh, I'm kind of realizing like, you know, it's okay to com- not support someone like that anymore. But I feel like this is going to sound, I hope this doesn't sound too like privileged, but the thing I feel like has been really interesting is how I'm reacting and how we as a society are reacting whenever people like that, whenever bad stuff comes out. Right. And I remember, like, I used to be a massive fan, and, like, my all my in-laws, all my brothers-in-law were big Ryan Adams fans. Um, and then Man. after all that stuff came out... With, like, I'm, like, making a face every time you say someone's name. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, dude, it's like, I, like, I haven't listened to Ryan Adams, I think, in, like, four years or something now. Just because... <laughs> like, like, I don't know if long, I can. Just because it's like... I don't even, and the problem nowadays with, with, with streaming is every time you listen to something, you're potentially supporting someone. It's not like, well, I have a CD, so I'll put a CD and I'll do it that way. But the hardest one for me to, 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 to hear was Jesse Lacey. Brand new. I, that's, there's very much a Venn diagram mm-hmm. of the underage weirdos and pop punk. It really, it's, I, I feel like, and, and like, I want to know if this is happening. And, and when, whenever people come forward as, you know, as, as stupid as, as I might sound, as, as dumb as it is to be like, oh, I hate that all these people who I used to admire, I, I, I can't like them anymore. It's like, no, good riddance. I need to know that this is happening. Oh yeah, fuck them for life. For Everyone sure. needs to know. Like Woody Allen, dude, I, I hate you, bro. Get out of here. Don't do this stuff. But like. It's just so interesting how, and I don't know what this says, and I think kind of like you said, it's because there's this weird Venn diagram, but it's always a very specific type of thing where you find this happening. Um, I've got to find this hard times thing. Beef jerky? Please continue. No, it was like the hardtimes.net. It's like Mm -hmm. they do stuff about music, but it's kind of like the Onion Mm -hmm. style, like headlines, but a lot Mm -hmm. of it's about like pop punk and shit like that. I've got to find this real quick. Please continue, but yeah. I'm going to try to find it while you're. But uh, but I, I guess my 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 thesis statement for this this idea I'm trying to defend is 
I will, <laughs> I will, I will gladly be incredibly disappointed in people that I admired if it meant that the truth was getting out there. Um, and it's just, it's, it's kind of like that whole idea when you realize your, your heroes or like, you know, every kid has this idea has that moment where they realize their parents are human. That's I, that's the one that I always say. It's uh-huh. like you go grow up thinking your parents are superheroes yeah. and then you find out they're just regular people. Yeah, and so it's like, you know, you have you have like take Jesse Lacey for example. Like Deja Antandu was like my favorite album until seminal album. until The Devil and God of Rage Inside Me came out. And and like this is a guy I I can't remember who I said this to. I may have said it on the OC podcast, but it I think it was the lyrics to "Okay, I believe you," but uh, my Tommy Gun don't. I like was an angsty, you know, freshman, eighth grader, whatever, and I got a got a toothpick and I carved yeah, you the lyrics <laughs> into my Grandy's takeout, and so it's just like, like this is this this dude was like his lyrics had a very deep impression on me, and so it's almost like a whoa, whoa. it's like getting cold water on your face, yeah. and you're like, hold on, it's this shocking, this person that I spent this much time, you know, being all about is a scumbag. Yeah, what's the deal there? And it makes me question, like, do I just have bad taste and people suck, and fame? Yeah. That's that's but there's it's just people just aren't perfect and there's no excusing like being a piece of shit by any means. But I think that it's just relatable to people whenever they are writing music about feeling a certain way at a certain time because you put yourself in that position and then you think of things the way like with music like that, you hear a phrase or like a lyric and you're like, I've never really had a way to articulate what I felt. Yes. And then I hear this, and this is exactly how I felt before. I think Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Jesus oh, Christ, I'm yeah. not scared to die, but I'm a little bit scared of what comes after. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get chills. I, like, I have chills just saying that just you now. You gave me chills, like, too. Fuck, all the, man. All like, the way from the other side of the couch, I got chills. Well, it's like, that's exactly mm-hmm. it, man. Like, that's the, you know, the fragility of life. Yeah, you have, and I mean, especially if you think about it in the context of all these things that came out, you know, you have... The lyric that I always come back to is, you know, I, uh, I'm scared, I'll get scared, and I'll try and nail you back up. I, I think it's in the bridge. And just like, you can't write those lyrics unless you're going through something Some deeply unsettling. I remember whenever I was first starting to listen to Dashboard Confessional, I remember in, I think it was in 99, was the first time I got into Dashboard. And obviously I couldn't drive in 99, so my dad was driving, and I put it in. My dad was like, do you think this guy really has this much bad luck in relationships or is he making it up? And so, He's doing it for the lols, Bob. Oh, my Bob. gosh. And so this whole, <laughs> this whole idea that, you know, it's, it's kind of the trade-off, I guess, with this incredibly emotional music or these incredibly heady ideas is we forget sometimes that these people aren't just performers, that they've got some messed up stuff too. And it's just, oh. I was listening to a song on, I think I mentioned earlier, the Nothing Nowhere album, and it's this whole song that is just super truthful about how he saw this kid when he was on tour, and this kid was like, hey, man, you're a great artist. I love you so much. You you, you mean so much to me. And then he's, he talks in this song about how now he doesn't want to let that person down either, and so he's like having panic attacks thinking about you know, what's going on, and he's writing all these lyrics, and he's going out on stage, and he's performing, and every night, the feelings that gave rise to those lyrics are coming back to him, and just this idea of, 
of to truly be, you know, a, a, an honest artist, you have to go back and back and back and, and have to deal with those demons. And I think Neil Gaiman, who is my favorite writer, put it best. I took his, his writing class and what he said is uh, the most important thing, you know, you can be as a writer is honest. And I think you know, Hemingway has some variation of it too, where he says, write one true sentence, finish it, then write the next true sentence. But Gaiman said that a good writing exercise, and this goes for, I guess, any and all art form, is you sit down and you write something that you've told very few people or that you never told anyone, your deepest, darkest secret, and then read it out loud to yourself and see how you feel. Then have someone you trust read it out loud and ask them how they feel and then see how that makes you feel. And it's this idea that for art to be honest, it has to be truthful. It's no, like, it's no joke that we have all this stuff coming out about oh, so the stuff in the songs, oh, so the stuff in the movies, maybe it was actually truthful and it wasn't just a performance. But, uh, you know, a, a long way to a short point, which is, yeah, good riddance. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just, and some of it just seems, I don't know, performative in some ways because with, like what you're saying with Dashboard, it does come across as like mawkish. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you just being emotional just for the sake of being emotional. Yeah. But he was very, I mean, he, he still, Chris Carab is a great songwriter. I mean, there's no yeah. getting around that. Like this this uh, this apartment's hungry for another argument or whatever he said. Oh, it's just yes. like the personification and mm. like the the pictures he could paint with, with his lyrics. It's just like, yeah. fuck. But some of the stuff you hear back later and you're like, fuck, man, like what, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, I found the, the, the hard times things I was telling you about. So it's like headlines, like Onion-style headline uh-huh. like articles. So one of the ones was um, aging dashboard confessional fan finds his hair everywhere. <laughs> uh, machine okay review Machine Gun Kelly is revolutionizing revolutionizing pop punk by dating a, by dating an adult. <laughs> so it's it's all like oh fuck. oh I love that uh, I have to bookmark it. Let's see here. Okay, the one that I was telling you about uh, pop punk frontman worried his girlfriend's school reopening too soon. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. But they bad. all have, there's all bangers <laughs> like that. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, that's so bad. You, you cringe into yourself, kind of like cover your mouth and laugh, <laughs> but you're like, oh, that's too good. I got to send. Oh. You like instantly think of someone like, I've got to send that. And oh. that's actually like my friend Josh. Uh-huh. I just like, I, I was like, I knew I sent that to him. Let me go to Josh's like DMs on Instagram. That is so funny. Let me send it to you so you have it. Yeah, please do, man. That's really funny. Hard Times is crazy. Let's see if they did anything recently. I'm glad that you found that article, too, because I just realized at the end of that discussion when I was quoting Ernest Hemingway and Neil Gaiman, I'm like, I bet Harold is glad that he had one of the guys from that comedy podcast on to talk about cancel culture. <laughs> I was just thinking that's, about that's, what were sad boys at heart. Yeah, that's that's the thing is S-A-D-B-O-I. That's what we do. And we love to cry. <laughs> I don't Very nice. Very nice. What you don't Good know, rhyme. what you don't know is that Harold actually edited out the fifteen minutes of silence <laughs> that I sat in trying <laughs> to think of crying? a rhyme, and and crying. I couldn't come up with a rhyme because I was crying so so hard. Okay, they haven't had any. They haven't had any pop punk ones in a minute. Oh, oh my God! Basis on life support not even plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is great. Oh my God, that's fucking hateful. So right, here, I'll send you this one just so you have the account. But yeah, hard times. We're not sponsored by them, but their shit is hilarious. The hardtimes.net, I think is what it is. Go look that shit up on Instagram. They're crazy. I've decided that in my head canon that hard times the website and hard times the Oklahoma beef jerky people 
are I the know, same. I know you said beef jerky. I was like, what? Yeah. So hard, the reason my hard times is the best beef jerky is because it comes with a toothpick. Oh shit! Yeah, they're, oh, that's what the hell? That's yeah. Weird. It's it's they got. I mean, of course, it's it's beef jerky, so it's like one bag of beef jerky is like twenty dollars or something like yeah. that, which yeah. I I don't understand. It's like it's just meat. I know the that markup on that. I'm like, goddamn, your margins. Well, I think I I think I know why because I I kind of go in spells where I want to do things extreme, and then you know, the great thing about marriage is 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 Leslie will be like. We don't have to do that. Yeah, like, okay, you're right. Let's reel it in a little bit. But I wanted Life to make, is about balance. I decided that I, uh, so I, I decided to be a vegan for three months. Oh, I did the same thing. Yeah, for 90 was, days, I was vegan. It was great, but the problem is I don't do well if I eat a lot of bread. And so it was like I was unhappy and not eating meat um, and not feeling great. So I ended up going back to meat, but I wanted to go like hardcore back to meat. And what I told Leslie is I was like, I want to buy a compact bow and I want to go hunting. And I want to, I want to kill. Damn, a deer. you're like, let me be the opposite of a vegan, real quick. Oh yeah, I just want to go completely the other way. I want to <laughs> kill a deer, and I want to make deer jerky in our house. And like, we Googled it, and it doesn't. It's not that difficult. I mean, aside from you know skinning and doing all the things that the I have no idea how to do. Yeah. But you know, apparently, all you do to cook beef jerky is you literally just cook it for like a really long time, which then makes your entire house smell like you know venison or whatever it is that you're you're. Uh, curing or jerking as I like to say and so I guess I don't understand why they can charge $20 or so for a bag of beef jerky when all you do is you just I guess it's to get the smell out of their curtains I guess, <laughs> I guess. for the cleaning service <laughs> yeah it's like it's like uber <laughs> I got char- that's, that's hazard pay I got charged $500 by uber because <laughs> I was curing beef jerky in the back of one of my ubers <laughs> rough Christ. but no I uh there are some some bands that I listened to back in the day that I still stand aggressively, and more than any of them, I am the biggest Coheed and Cambria fan. Oh my god! Dude. Are you serious? Okay, did you see that they're doing the their own coffee? coffee? Did yes. you post that? Yes. Okay, you're the Dude. person that I saw that from. Then I sent it to everybody I work with. Dude, so Coheed, I love Coheed and Cambria so much. Claudio, and, shout out to Claudio. Oh, yeah, Claudio Sanchez, you're the man, shout out. And then also, I love Chandra. So Chandra is, she and I actually started, I commented on something or I sent a message on, on Instagram or something, and for a while we had like an ongoing dialogue. Jeez. And Chandra is the nicest, just most chill person I I have ever interacted with on like on 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 Instagram, on Twitter and all that. But, dude, I got, so I got Leslie into Coheed, which is really funny to me because you don't really think like, you know, this is, so Leslie is like, she's like a classically trained opera singer and she did music professionally for a while and, um, and she's just, you know, she's the nicest human ever. I still don't know what I did to deserve a woman like this, considering I'm just a bunch of rats operating a man suit. But she, uh, she's like, I'll give it a try. I'll, I'll check it out. And so we listened to it, and she still will randomly, whenever we talk about coach, she'll go, Claudio. Oh. And I'm like, did you just sing the bridge to everything evil? <laughs> my wife, did you do this? But My so wife. I, my wife. I took her to um, a Coheed show, and I remember I had like the, I got the VIP thing, so I we got to go in early for the acoustic set. And... So for I think like the first hour of like an hour and a half show, 
Leslie, who was five foot one, was at the front bar at a Coheed and Cambria show, just rocking out. Jesus and Christ! So I still stand Coheed so hard. Hey, shout out to Coheed, and they were. I was gonna go see them, and their show got canceled. Yes, I got the diamond, and Chan was opening. Chan is fucking amazing. I think that was the show. I no, that wasn't the show I went to. I've been to. I went to the show where uh, is it Polyphira? Polyphira. It's, they're a band like oh, Polyphia. Ch- Polyphia is that them? Polyf- yeah, because I, I think it's pol- it's Polyphia, but I said it Polyphia, <laughs> so I got made fun of by oh, all shit, of my classics buddies. They're like, he said Telemachus instead of Telemachus. Yeah. Come on, but um, but I, we went to that show and like, Chon, I really want to see Chon. Dude, live. Chon fucking rips. Chon is, and they so were gonna open. It was Coheed, Chon, and I think it was one other band that I was like. And I'm fucking gassed for this. And it was supposed to be at the Diamond, and it got canceled because of the Rona. Dude, same for same with Silverstein. I was supposed to see them last year, and that shit got canceled. And I was like, fuck. And Four Years Strong was opening for them, too. Seriously? Their new album is so good. It was about to be brutal. Rise or Die Trying, my guy. Oh, my god. Heroes Get Remembered, Legends Never Die. That whole album. I feel like... I don't know how those guys can play those parts and sing at the same time i don't like, it, i don't my brain can't comprehend it reminds me of strumming mean, it's like uh the, between the the strumming and then i mean coheed's the same way you have a song like uh um, no world for tomorrow where it's like that just and like i don't even know how he does it how man. do you and he's already got an insane voice oh my god oh that was the thing i was going to mention was like your 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 uh predisposed oh, to yeah. like the singers the high <laughs> registers uh craig owens dude i love it uh claudio sanchez Vic Fuentes. Did, you listen to, uh, did you listen to speaking of piece of shit people dance gavin dance uh johnny yes. johnny craig johnny oh my gosh so i was his solo shit rips but dude, he's such a fucking asshole it is so good and he is such a terrible person what was the other band he was in um so he was in dance gavin dance he was in oh man i forgot is it I think it's a one. It's one word. Somebody's yelling at us right now. Yeah, like, listen, come on, like, fucking idiots! You it's don't know this band, Emerosa. Emerosa, that's right. That's it. Um, he, uh, but dude, he. It's so funny because I'll occasionally play. Um, what is the whatever the last song on the Isles and Glaciers? Oh, we just talked about Isles yeah, and Glaciers. Me and but you were it's, talking about. I think it, it's whatever one I posted. It's what I posted for my yeah, mom right. on social media. <laughs> But I remember I would occasionally pl- I would play this for people and be like, "Hey, you guys want to hear a new boy band?" And you play it because you know at the beginning, it's it's pretty much just Craig and Johnny going back and forth, and then Vic comes in. I need somebody, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" But dude, I have had I have gotten in hardcore to uh, to pierce the veil recently, like. I think they're, oh, they're wow. Like oh, the, we were just talking about you. Yeah, mentioned them. Their most recent album is is so good and i usually it's just so embarrassing i usually listen to pierce the veil when i work out and it's either pierce the veil or drake (laughs) (laughs) there's no in between as in ryan oh yeah i listen i listen to uh his old stand-up and i'm just (laughs) like oh this is great i was actually trying to listen to stand-up the other day on spotify and he took it off i was like damn i'm really mad about it's a very good cd i need to see if he has a cd of it or something i want him to press it on vinyl if you oh, really shit, that would be legit. Yeah, but I... Uh, Let's see if I can connect to this so I can play some shit that I was wanting to show you. Oh, do it. Let's see if we can do this shit. We'll do it live. I don't know if this is going to affect the recording. Some nice podcast silence there for you, too, wouldn't it? Paint the silence. <laughs> <laughs> I 
so you're saying you listen to Drake while you're working out. Uh-huh. I listen to, uh, and it's it's not like the Drake that you'd think I'd listen to, you know, where it's like, started from the bottom, like, let's get pumped up, let's <laughs> do this. I listen to, like, Hold On, We're Coming Home. And, I got my or, eyes yeah, on you. Listen to a Shot For Me and, you know, stuff like that. But uh, it gets me so hype. <laughs> I like to, I like to think I've evolved because now I've kind of started incorporating stuff like open mic eagle and stuff like that into my rotation for for working out and I uh, a lot of Red City Radio and stuff like that. Wow! Shout out to Red City Radio. Yeah, shout out Red City Radio. That new album is so dope. But um, Let's see if this shit will work. I believe in your phone. Well, I don't have. I try to connect, but let's see if it'll play it live. Really, di- literally, don't know what we're doing here. I've never tried to do this on an episode. I'm not editing this out either because I'm not a coward. No, d- editing is for cowards. Cowards and uh... oh, I can hear. It. You hear it? I do. This is my friend Zach. He's actually he lives here. My new favorite band. New favorite I artist. was like, this is very much my shit, Zach. Yes. Oh, yes. So shout out to Zach. We'll give him a shout out oh. as we fade him out. Zach. I've never done that live on the show, but I was just like, eh, I could connect to Bluetooth and oh, play some Zach. shit. I am, I am a new fan of Zach. You got to send I, me that. When stuff. I had him on, yeah, it's, it goes by, it's pretty well, uh-huh. is the moniker he goes under, but that, that song's called Take Note Shark Eyes. And he's very much like, when I met him, I was like, we are going to, it's like with me and you, I yeah. was like, I, okay, this is going to work. Dude. But he, uh, he did the thing I love at the, at, at the end of the song. It's like a, uh, I asked him what it was too. Cause I, did, I had like a, a nefarious thought that I was like, oh man. But he had a, a voicemail at the very end, just like this random person talking. And I was like, they're just speaking nonsense. <laughs> and I was like, what is that voicemail? And he said it was this friend that will call him and leave him voicemails of just like random shit. And he was just like at a park and saw like these squirrels running around doing weird <laughs> shit. And he was like, we should make a documentary of these squirrels. I can see him running around. I was like, is your friend just like doinked out of his mind? Like, <laughs> what the fuck is he? But it's just like the most bizarre like voicemail. But I thought maybe that it was like he had, he had passed and that he uh-huh. put his, I was like, oh shit. Like Dude. this one of those, you know, when everybody's doing like a voicemail intro, like to their tracks and stuff. It's like, I mean, I, uh. You know, it's, you, you can do the respectful one like that. You can do the Drake one where it's like, this is my spite voicemail. Yeah. And no, so there's... Very act- much a rap thing. Dude, so there's actually this local artist um, who I've gotten to know. It's I get to know so many people over social media. It's so bizarre. It's great. But, um, but I don't know if you've heard her. So do you know Garrison? Um, the rap or not the, the DJ? Garrison, what is Garrison's last name? I think it's Garrison Brown. I that's the thing is I only know people by their social media handles. But so I got hooked up with Garrison. It is Garrison Brown. I got hooked up with Garrison kind of via um, my friend Christian Peterson. Um, C- Christian Pearson does. Oh, the guy, the uh, jazz okay, guy. Okay, sessions and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't know him, but I've seen him on yeah, social. So P- uh, Pearson's a solid dude, and he uh, he lived with Garrison for a while, and Garrison. 
uh, produced some music for just that just started last year for this artist. Um, she goes, her name's Madeline, but she goes by Heartspace, and it's like some of the most ridiculously produced stuff in a good way that I've ever heard. Wow! And she re- her last single that she released, she was like going to have her ex boyfriend come on and play drums on it. But then she decides, and dude, I don't know if it's a gimmick or if if it isn't, or if it is, I don't care. It's just so, it's such good marketing that she decided like once the song was being mastered that she didn't want the drums anymore. So instead of drums, it's all Garrison doing his Garrison stuff. And there's a clip of the voicemail that she left him saying, hey, I don't need your, your drums, I'm better just doing it by myself. Wow. And I'm just like, that is such a power That's some play. petty energy that I, I like. I love it, dude. And petty Betty. The thing about it that just is crazy, and I was talking to him downstairs. We're in the historic Tower Theater, by the way. Yeah. Uh, downstairs, we were talking about this, just like Oklahoma, and Oklahoma City especially, we have so much talent in this freaking city. And I'm so excited that people are starting to see that now. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like, it's one of the best kept secrets. It's almost like we're the hipsters who were into this community and into these bands, into these people before anyone else is. And now seeing that they're blowing up, it's just, it's so great. And I, uh, I just feel as a, you know, a kid from Lawton, I just feel cool. Cause I'm in the big city and I, you know, I'm recording the podcast with a, <laughs> with a, with a new friend, with a guy I met online, um, I, in tower theater. It's very, cool. very online folks. Oh yeah. That's what I call myself at, at work. Like people are like, Oh, cause I'll just, send the most obscure shit to my friends. Uh-huh. And they're like, where did you even dig that up? Like, it's just like the most adjacent, like a friend of a friend liked a tweet, so it showed up in my feed. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, this is bizarre. I'm listening to everyone I know. And so I just always say that I'm very online. Yeah. It's 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 like, uh, oh, God, what is it? The, uh, the 1975 album that's a brief inquiry into online relationships, that song... Um, it's the, it's the love story between the guy and the internet. And it's like, <laughs> I was listening to that and like, I listened to it by itself and it's like really funny and it's kind of like a Radiohead throwback kind of thing. But it's this whole idea that the man and the internet loved one another. They went together everywhere except the places the internet could not go. <laughs> but I remember I listened to it. So this is really embarrassing. I listened to it as a, you know, just by itself. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. But I listened to it in the context of the album. Like I, I did a cover to cover listen of it. And like, dude, I listened to that. And by the end of it, I'm like crying listening to this really funny thing about how this guy lived alone and he was friends with the internet. But I also am a massive 1975 stan as a, as is painfully evident in my Spotify, you know, end of year. End of oh yeah. You guys talked about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, um, but no, that's so true that I feel like right, like now I love when something can come of meeting people like that. Like I, I feel like you and I have been lucky, but I just think about all those people who just have friend, like friends online, who just meet people online, and who just don't make that human connection. And so it's like I can see both sides of the coin. And luckily, I've been always on the heads side, um, or the tail. I don't know uh, which one is the better side of the coin. Heads, I guess. Well, I, tails never fails. Yeah, but heads never dead. Dead, right? That's that's a slant rhyme. Yeah. So I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> die yet. So it's all about tails. Um, but but no, dude. I uh, yeah, it's it's a fun time to be an Oklahoman. There was not, another. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Notwithstanding the weather. Oh right. Texas yeah. is getting all the love and everything, but guys, we're having a rough time in Oklahoma too. Okay. Feel bad for us. Yeah. Come on. 
uh, I had a so I met another person. Julie's the robot is what they what they go by. Ooh, and I had them on my show, and they were just telling me about how they were a they grew up a lonely internet kid. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? Oh. So they were telling me like, I just oh they lived in Lawton too, dude, and they Shady were Friday. able to get onto internet from their neighbor. Even though their neighbor lived quite a ways away, they were con- able to connect to their internet. Oh, yeah. And um, so they piggybacked this internet, and they met all their friends online because they didn't know anyone really. They felt not at home or, like, accepted by the people that they knew, like, at school, like in Lawton. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I, who could imagine that? But Yeah. So it was the idea that you were able to find these friends online and, like, really get onto these forums back in the day of those and find, like, people that were into the things you're into, but you never really, you never met them. Yeah. So you're, like, lonely with them. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, what a what an interesting concept that is. It's, I feel like that's partially, and I'm going to, this episode is brought to you by Hydrate Water Bottles. So I saw that is Ryan. Is that the one Ryan has? Yeah, I saw that Ryan had one of these, and so I had one of these. So for those of you who don't know what these are, I don't know why I'm doing a fake product placement oh, on your podcast. The thing's it's, pretty dope. I thought about getting one because yeah, I need to uh, step my water game up. That's the truth. All I got to tell you is just get kidney stones once and you will oh, always shit. drink water. Fuck. Two L year of law school. It wasn't fun. My guy. It's uh, nothing like giving birth to a stone. Shit. You know, which also sounds like a brand new lyric. I don't know why. <laughs> but so th- these water bottles, they will track how much water you drink and how much water you're supposed to drink. And they will actually blink like an angry droid if you're not drinking enough. And I don't want to upset the water <laughs> bottle because I don't know what it's going to do. The water bottle has become sentient. Mm, drink I more f- out of me. I, for one, welcome our water bottle robot overlords. <laughs> I do too. I'm always nice to all this stuff because whenever the culling of the organics you know, actually happens. Right, the Matrix. I want I want my water bottle to be like, stop, this guy was Good to me. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Maybe we should talk to the humans. But oh my gosh! So this this is something. Whenever you do a lot of podcasts, I'm sure you've noticed this. Whenever I have to edit myself, I realize that there are certain things that I say a lot and certain things that I do too much. I'm learning that I say, "That's great. That's crazy." Some variation on yeah, that. the filler words. Yeah, I say, you know, you know, a whole lot. <laughs> Like, you know, and I, I, it got to a point where I could actually recognize it in the sound wave when I was editing it. So, oh, yeah, like, you know. Let me blast that waveform real quick. Oh, yeah. But another thing that I do a lot is voices. And as you've probably, as you know, and as we talk about on the on the pod, I get in trouble a lot for it. <laughs> that shit makes me laugh. I, I love doing voices. I So, like. But I have kind of the same voice for everything. Oh, my God. That's kind of my voice for everybody. Dude, that's, see, at least you have the voice. Like. I feel like, I don't know, I can do a handful of imitations well, but the vast majority I can't do. And so I have this running, and most of them are Star Wars related. And, <laughs> the, so, and this Andy Cohen. Yeah, just, no, oh God, the Sandy, <laughs> Sandy Cohen. This is, is not Cohen's, you're welcome to do that impression oh, here. Oh, no, but my, the this, this Sandy Cohen is just, it's basically just like this, like kissed, and this is what's going on. <laughs> And I, I listen back to it, and I'm like, I sound nothing like Sandy Cohen. It's funny, though. It's so bad. But, like, I remember that I, uh, so I have, 
I have a new show, a new Star Wars related show coming out. And I was joking around with the Ryan that I do that show with because I only podcast with Ryan. Well, I was going to say it's a different Ryan. It's in my contract. But we want to do like, we're thinking about doing like fake ad placements. Like, you know, have like a Watto do like, this episode brought to you by Wild Sparts or something stupid like that. <laughs> Just because, I mean, I you're it. still going to have all these voices. You got to be able to do something <laughs> stupid with them. But uh, but unfortunately, I can't do anything OC related. But that's okay. Fuck. I got well, my goal. Oh, craft mac and cheese for Marissa. <laughs> mac and cheese. Mac that's, and cheese. Oh my gosh. Mac and cheese. I feel like there are certain phrases that embody my marriage, and that's one of them. Because your wife's impression. Oh my god, <laughs> it's incredible. She's so good at it. Was it was good. But she uh, that that uh, kind of like with the Coheed and Cambria. You're stuff, like God bless you, woman. Leslie will just show up out of nowhere and just be like, "Oh, you mean like mac and cheese?" And I'm from like, the top rope. Vera, what is going on here? But um, my goal is to get down a perfect Ryan Drake imitation so I can start using it on the show and making him say really terrible stuff. Oh, my God. You're like uh, deep faking. Yeah, just deep fake him on the show. Just like, I don't know, talk, have Ryan go on a whole rant about how Dane Cook is the greatest comic of the 20th oh century God. or something like that. But, uh, but no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. See, I, I, I really do love freeform podcasting. And well, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I could stick to it. I wouldn't be. Able I to. started when I started doing the show, and I've talked about this before on here that I started out kind of like this survey type thing, especially with people that I didn't know. You know, of course, up front, like I'm getting a bunch of people like my friends. You know, yeah. And um, first episode, Mike Allen. I don't know if you know Mike, but he's friends with Kellen and a lot of those guys. A lot of us are like in adjacent, but yeah. So of course, I knew I wanted him to be the first episode, and. So started out with a bunch of my friends. And then when I started getting people that were friends of my friends that I didn't necessarily know, like, what they're into or what mm-hmm. we could talk about, I started, I was doing, like, this little survey thing. And it was, like, talk about what's two to five of your favorite animes? What's two to five of your favorite bands? Like, and then I kind of no- started noticing that it was more of, like, a crutch. And it was, like, very formula. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, those were fun episodes still. But it was, like, I was, I didn't really, I hadn't done a podcast before. And it's pretty interesting because when you start doing one, it's about filling time and, like, feeling out conversations and knowing when to move on. Like, it, it's very interesting when you don't do one. Yeah. And then now I've done, like, over 100 episodes. And so kind of now I know, like, the, the cadence and, like, the, the way to move things along and such. But it's just funny, too, listening to those old, old episodes. I'm like, <laughs> uh, so uh, do you like uh, anime? Like, it's just bad. What's your favorite anime? But... So I started leaning on that too much, and then I guess just one day I was like, I really don't, I was just like, I don't think I want to do that anymore. So I just kind of saw how it went, and it went okay. So I was like, I'm just going to do more of like this free flow type of thing, and what we end up talking about is what we ended up talking about, and then that's the episode. I still do structure for like, um, like when Ryan was on the March Sadness thing, there was no way I couldn't let that, <laughs> like I had to like drive that, uh-huh. because otherwise it would just be chaos. Oh, yeah. So I had to be like, okay, we got to hit this. We got to do these things. We got to move on to this. Like, mm-hmm. so for things that make sense to have structure of, like if we're talking about um, like albums or something, I'll I'll still have like a loose idea of like how to drive it. But um, for these for these episodes now, where I'm doing more one on one, I really anymore. I don't think I really even really give them a prompt unless they ask. Yeah, no, it's because uh, I think it's just fun. It, I mean, it really is, and. I mean, it reminds me, this is a terrible and very niche comparison. But <laughs> so in my uh, 
during the day from 8.30 to 5.30, and then honestly, no, I pretty much all the time. So I uh, <laughs> Scratch a, that. Yeah, scratch that literally all that, the time. That literal thing I just said. Um, we, uh, so I said we. I um, The royal we. We well, are- the, the rats uh, that- Compose your body. We're uh, you're really we're we're an attorney um here in Oklahoma City, and one of the things that I you know get to do a whole lot as a litigator is I take depositions, and you know right when you're starting out in in practice, you have your list of questions. It's like okay, this is what I want to ask this person in this deposition, and I'm just going to go straight down the list and ask them, and you kind of have to learn the hard way. That kind of like you were saying with 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 structure of a podcast you don't get the conversation that you really want oh, no. out of that. You just you basically plan it, but Oh yeah. And so I've noticed that as I've progressed, I'm in almost my eighth year of practice now. And I've noticed that as the years have progressed, my outlines for depositions have gotten shorter. My question lists have gotten shorter. Yeah. And instead it's just a, you know, okay, I'm deposing Dylan. I know I want to talk about music. I know I want to talk about keeping up with the Coens. I don't want to talk about this. However we get there, we get there. If we don't, it's no big deal. But this is how I want to do it. And I, I find, too, that, you know, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, and there was a you know, in case you didn't pick it up. You know. The, uh, I didn't catch it, actually. What, I, what I've noticed is a lot of the podcasts that I love do it the way you do it. And my favorite podcaster, hands down, uh, is Matt Gorley, who does, uh, he did Pistol Shrimps Radio. He's one of the guys that started Super Ego. Um, and right now he has a podcast that he does with Paul Rust called, uh, with Gorley and Rust. And they go through, um, all of these horror movie franchises and just go movie by movie. And each episode is no joke between like two and a half and four hours. Jeez. And it's all free form, but they're still like, this is what we do at the beginning. This is what we do at the end. And the middle is just we want to be able to freeform talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's that's what we your tr- bookends. Yeah, you have your bookends. We try to we try to do that on on Cohen's because Cohen's the podcast because I feel like you get the most out of the experience, be it as the interviewer or in our case just as the people. It's the more organic it sounds, the more honest it's going to sound. Because I feel like. If people were to listen to an episode like of of Tunes Tunes, and it's just all okay, thank you for answering that. Now, have you seen Cowboy Bebop? It's, it, it reminds me of like if you have a list if you have a list out, and it's like, what is your favorite anime? And they go, oh, I don't watch anime. And they go, okay, hold on. If no, yeah, it's like then. a <laughs> it's like it's, a logic puzzle. Yeah, but I uh, but no, I it I, is. I mean, it is interesting to see, and I I I've I've listened to podcasts that are very structured and like have we do X, Y, and Z. And like some of those, sometimes I'm like, man, maybe I should do a little bit of that, which I do get into a little bit of that when we're doing bracket episodes. Mm -hmm. If I have someone on and I, I I mean, there's a literal structure that I have to Mm -hmm. follow. Then it's like, okay, well we're following that. But these are kind of my favorite episodes. I think is whenever I just, and I, my prep was exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I know Dylan and I know we're going to talk about, these three things, I know these <laughs> bands, like, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of have, like, a, a rough structure in my head as opposed to, like, this, yeah. I don't know, in a way it's a little bit, I'm thinking, like, oh, old past Harold was so cute with his, like, outline and sending it, and, like, 
I don't know. It was just always so funny because I would always I would get comments from people that were going to be on. They'd be like, "Wow, this is so official." And I'm like, "Let's just like I just want to know what I'm talking about." Like, that's great. I'm also a worrier. Oh, uh, you and me both. I'm like my favorite is like a tweet I saw. My favorite pastime is thinking I'm going to be fired every time I get called in my boss off boss's <laughs> office. Um, no, that's. I don't know if you do any like the enneagram stuff. I think me and Ryan talked about that a little bit. But I I'm do. A, I'm a type nine. Wow. So I am 50, 50, three and four. Wow. So I always have to be doing some kind of project, but I am desperately hoping that people like it. So yeah, fours are, our art director is a four at my work and he's definitely like, mm. it's like the, the art, that's the artist is a four for sure. Dude, it's uh, I feel like, you know, the, the running joke is that everyone in our generation has anxiety and ADHD and everything right. like that. And I mean, I, I I think it's true. I mean, I I have it. Just needed your butt busted. Yeah, God, dude, that that <laughs> that bothers me so much. Where it's like you just got your butt busted. Yeah, it's like, been a good kid. You just, we, I should have hit you more. <laughs> there's there's no one in my family that talks like that. I don't even know why I'm saying that. But that's the character that I've created for this podcast. His name is Frank. <laughs> he used to come to my house when I was a kid, and I was bad. Beat the shit out of you with this Dylan. pillowcase full of soap. Dylan, I heard you're playing EverQuest for too long again. <laughs> Come here. Um, but, but so I, I get that tendency and I, I say this to my, like to myself and for myself is I think the fact that we get so anxious about stuff and that we worry about stuff is because we care about it. That's true. I, um, I think that is true. Yeah. And, and I would rather, honestly, I would rather be anxious all the time knowing that it's because I care about the things that I'm doing and the, and the way that I'm interacting with people then just not care and just be like, that is true. Apathetic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it it reminds me of like driving, driving to work over these last couple of days. And I'm not sure if you like your podcast to be evergreen. And so feel free to ever to edit this out, but it's this whole idea of, you know, we've had these terrible, terrible snowstorms over, you know, this last week. And I finally got, got my, my, my Jeep out and started going to and from the office and just, you know, driving around, seeing all of these other cars that are, broken down and and just stuck in the in the snow drift and it's just like this whole idea where like would you would you rather just be like okay whatever let's go life's fine just keep on driving or just have that anxiety of okay i'm gonna try and push this car out and maybe get stuck myself and i'll take the anxiety every day dude <laughs> i will i will the anxiety keeps me sharp you know it keeps uh keeps gives me you an on, edge keeps me on my toes gives you an edge i am a lexa professional if you will <laughs> Um, Not as very much like you do things to decompress, though. Like mm-hmm. my shit, my shit right now is well, it was that I was th- I would throw on like the OC, be watching, and then just grinding it out on my farm on Stardew Valley. Oh, that's, nice! That's my game. Um, I'm obsessed. I I don't know what I just randomly. I think I heard a couple friends talking about it, and then I have like a gift. I had a gift card for like the Nintendo Store or whatever. I played on Switch. And uh, I was like, yeah, this is like 11 bucks. Like, this is kind of cool. Sweet. And so I, I, I got it, and I'm just like fucking balls deep now. And it was all developed by one guy. That's crazy. It's. I remember right after that game came out, because I think I had a similar kind of situation where I was like, well, Stardew Valley's getting good reviews. I think I should get Stardew Valley. It seems like something that I should I should get because everyone else is getting it, and I want to stay relevant. That's um, how it was with Animal Crossing. Oh, too. yeah. No, I 
Don't even be starting okay. Animal Crossing. But like, so Stardew we'll Valley. We'll stay in the valley for yeah, we'll, now. We'll keep it in the valley. The shadow of death. And then uh, and then I will f- I will fear no winter because I know <laughs> that if I go to the store on Wednesdays, he'll give me the plants that grow in the winter. But I the remember reading this article that was like, like I, first of all, by the way, this is an aside, but when I play Stardew Valley, I never go into the mines because it's what? too scary and violent. No way. I just stay on my That's very much my shit. Dude, I stay on my farm. Dang. Dude, I go grind. I'm trying to get them rubies and diamonds. I'm I, trying to get P-A-I-D. I just don't like having to kill like, things. That is true. I just I just want to be there. That's why I can never play Minecraft. Like, all I want to do is build, but I don't want, like, a like an angry goat or a skeleton. You're like, why the violence, yo? Yeah, it's like, come on. I just want to build something, which I'm I think is why I love Animal Crossing so much. But I um, So I get that game, and I remember reading an article about it that it was really popular with millennials because it was... It came out, and we were all working in our jobs, and the whole you know the whole premise of the game for those of you that haven't played it is like your grandfather is really sick or dying or something, and and he gives you this letter, and you inherit his farm, and you abandon your job in in the corporate world just to go and work on the farm. Oh my gosh! And so you know, it's like I would I would come home, and I I act like my life is is it insane and stressful but it's like it's really not i have a great life man but still i need i need a brick i need to go to my farm but um i I remember that i got that game right before i got married and my wife and i went to uh went to paris for our honeymoon and so that flight is like so freaking long and so i brought my switch and i remember on the way there i of course watched a whole bunch of movies because i don't care how old you are it's so cool when you can pick your own movies an airplane. That is rad. Do you remember airplanes and travel? And I, that was in the before times. Oh, yeah, the before, before the dark times, <laughs> before the empire, before the fall of man. So we're um, we watch movies and stuff, and I played um, Stardew Valley the entire way up there, and then on the way back, I beat Zelda Breath of the Wild and had nothing to do, and so Leslie started her own farm, and like once a week, I'll be like, hey, like she hasn't picked it up in like three years, <laughs> and so every once in a while, I'll be like. Hey, do you want to like check on your farm? <laughs> she's she's <laughs> like your farm doing she's okay. Like, no. Then you have like you know, this is the, to pivot. This is this is why Animal Crossing gives me so much anxiety, and I had to stop playing it. Okay. I well, I'll tell you why. I feel like it's I'm gonna say the same thing. So go ahead. I had to stop playing it because it stressed me out too much that it was real time. Yes. So like I'm like I don't even know what to do. Like I want my island to look good. But I can't fucking figure out how to design. Dude, I was so hardcore into that game for the first part of uh, Work From Home. Yeah, the Borentine. Oh, my god! I got it in March. I got I got my Switch. I just bought a Switch Lite. The literal last day anything was going to be open in Oklahoma before oh. the shutdown. It was a Wednesday in March before everything shut down. I got the last Switch at uh, a vintage stock in Moore. Nice. I had to drive there. And uh, I got that, and I bought Animal Crossing, and then it was like I never looked back. And then now I like never even play anymore. It's because I'm convinced that that game was was such a perfect game for the time and place that it came out. Right. Because you know when we're because I remember during those early days of the pandemic, you know that's that's when we were pretty much convinced that if we step outside, we could die. Oh yeah, it was like the happening. It was, it was horrifying, and so. The fact that we all had this game where the only reason for the game's existence is to build an I like build houses on an island and talk to your neighbors who just happen to be 
adorable animals. Yes. And so I played that game so much. I got way too deep into the uh, into the tulip market, oh, stock shit. market, the dark market, dark so I, uh, dark yeah. market, or what, black market. That's yeah, what I'm I trying beca- to I became like the Jordan Belfort of the <laughs> stock market, dude. I did the same thing. Oh. I was on like, uh, uh, what was the? There was like an online the like, forum a website where they would send their friend codes based in the yes. like the queues. What was that called? Oh, oh Turnip Exchange. Yeah, I was on Turnip Exchange. Me too. too. I made. I would s- host. Oh, I loved whenever I got high prices because I was just like, yes, I can help everybody make money, dude. But like, this is so stupid. But so I'm convinced that all the work that I did on that game, like with stock market stuff and paying off my home and everything like that, after I stopped playing that game, I maintained that in my actual life and like paid off my credit card and all this <laughs> stuff. And so anyone who says video games are bad for children, they might be, but they're not bad for men in their 30s. <laughs> Art imitates life. Oh my gosh, but. So I haven't played that game in so long. The last thing that I did, last time I played it was right around Halloween. So I created a haunted forest with skeletons and a giant pentagram. That's sick. And then I would just invite people and trap them in there. Jesus and so I don't, I don't play it anymore. But, um, dude, that game, oh, that game was so fun. I, uh, I got into that, and then I also decided during round one of quarantine, after I finished Tiger King, of that's of number course. one thing was I had never really played Final Fantasy before. Oh, okay, cool. I uh, I had only played 15. So I played 15 because I love the Kingdom Hearts games. And I never got into Final Fantasy growing up because I was more of a Zelda kid because I didn't like turn-based combat. Right. And so now that I'm realizing that pretty much all life is is turn-based combat. You know, it's that's, that's all it is. That's the quote of the episode that's, right there. That's so depressing that that's, that's my <laughs> quote. That that's, that's the best I could come up with at my age now. But um, but so I finally, it's like I wanted fast, 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 go, go, go when right. I was a kid. So I would just play Ocarina of Time over and over. I could never play Majora's Mask because of my anxiety. And I was like, I'm wasting time. The moon is going to kill like, me. I've got to move on. I got to get I got to get away from this. But um, I... Uh, I finally got into Final Fantasy and finally started playing turn-based stuff in 2020. And I beat, I think, Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy VII. Damn. And then I, well, Ryan will tell you I didn't beat Final Fantasy VII because I didn't do the side quests. Oh, he he's a completionist. Oh, it's it's a very sore subject for him. If you yeah. ever just want to see a grown man just grow angry, just text him and say, hey, Dylan talked about how much he loved beating Final Fantasy VII. But so oh my God. I did those two, did remake this year, and um, I uh, I have fallen down the wormhole. And another thing that I discovered late in life that I'm glad I discovered late in life and not like when I was in high school is uh, MMORPGs. I never got into World of Warcraft or anything like that. Yeah, I've never. I I, I wanted I always wanted to because it seemed like the nerdy thing to do. And I yeah, was like, as a nerd, I might need to look into this. But dude, I got into Final Fantasy 14 this year. I've already logged more time into that game than any other game on my PlayStation. My guy. And it's 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 not like it's so it's it's like it's a Japanese MMORPG. It's like one of those games where it's like not hack and slash combat. It's like you literally hold down a button and when your mana re- you know your your MP recharges, you do a fire spell. Then it recharges, you do a fire spell. <laughs> like that that's all it is, but I've put in like I th- it's it's a subscription-based game too and so, you know, I get off my free trial and I'm like do I like this game enough to spend $50 on a six-month subscription? 
I didn't even hesitate. I got that subscription. <laughs> Boy, you got to cash in. Dude, you really have to. And I, I remember that I feel like a lot of Final Fantasy people are kind of coming out of the woodwork as, oh, yeah, I play. What server are you on? Because I posted something about it on, I think I posted on Twitter. And Kellen actually responded. He's like, dude, I've been playing that since the beta. And I'm like, ooh, what server are you on? My my level fifty six black mage wants to party. Damn. So I uh, Kellen's like my go to for uh, anything video games for dude, sure. Dude, he's he's Shout the video Kellen. game guy. I think Kellen I McGuggan. The last time I saw Kellen, I think was I feel like they were doing a lot. This was so this was before Bo moved and then came back. So this is right. when he was here because he was here and then he moved and then he came back. So this is yeah. when he was here before he left the first time, or I guess the only time, and. They were doing something, I think, at Guest Room, and they had um, an N64 set up. And I stayed in Guest Room and played so much N64, like, that day. It's one of the one of the best days of my life. Was it a Funder Up? Was it one of their Funder Up? I don't think it was a Funder Up, although I'm trying to get in on Funder Up. Because oh, okay. word on the street is I think they're going to potentially do the Resident Evil series. Oh, their next Funder Up, which cool. I think would be so cool. They've kicked around a few things. Kellen just tweeted me and Ryan about... Oh, it's because they did the Switch announcement stuff, so they redid Mario Golf. Yeah, and so I don't know. I can't remember if this was a if I Mandela affected this, but did they announce that they're coming up with updates for Mario Party finally? Oh, I didn't see that. See, they're never I didn't watch it. I only saw that the specific thing that he tweeted was like about Mario Golf. I didn't Dude, watch like the whole update thing. Mario Golf is gonna be so good. I uh, Mario Tennis. This is so stupid. <laughs> so I knew nothing about tennis when I was in junior high, like elementary school, junior high, whenever it came out. But I played so much Mario Tennis that I learned the rules and then learned how to play tennis and played tennis for my high school. Wow. <laughs> so, dude, who says you can't learn from video games? That's the thing. Same thing happened to me with soccer. That's how is, I learned how to steal a car. Dude, yeah. Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Were you a FIFA guy? I was. A, so I was a FIFA Dude, World okay. Cup guy. Okay. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Fuck. There's just like so much to talk about. God Dude. damn it. Okay. The soundtracks to FIFA are fucking God tier right up there with Tony Hawk soundtracks to me. So I good. learned about so much. Me- I first heard um, I first heard uh, Jamiroquai mm-hmm. on FIFA. I first heard... Um, oh, fuck. Who is it? Um, First time I heard. Wycliffe. They do Brooklyn is burning. You know that song, oh. Beating Heart Baby, Head Automatica. Yes, Head Automatica. I heard on on FIFA. Um, uh, Peter or what is it? Um, uh, they want to say about the young kid, young folks. Oh. What's that song? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a oh, it's not I'll the keep, Bertellis. I keep wanting to say Who Peter Bjorn or something like that. Yeah, people are yelling at us again for not knowing that shit. But fuck y'all, we're causing anger. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just so many bangers like mm. on FIFA. Like the soundtracks are really it was just EA soundtracks. Because yes. I talked to um, I don't know if you ever listen to Valencia the band. I do. Okay, so I ta- I was able to talk to Shane, the lead singer of Valencia. Oh, nice. And one of the things I wanted to ask him about was actually the way that I heard about Valencia. Mm-hmm. Their song "Safe to Say" from their um. We all need a reason to believe by the, one of the best albums of all time. Um, that album was featured in MLB 2015 or something like that. No, no, no. The one I don't want to talk about. It was like 2007, mm-hmm. and um, 
So their song was featured on there, and I was like, my brother played it. I don't, I care fuck all about baseball. Mm -hmm. But my brother had that game, and, you know, when you're in, like, the lobby about to start, it's it, that's when it's playing the tracks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dang, this song's pretty sick. Like, this song rips, dude. And so I uh, I remember hearing it, then, and then I got to see them at the conservatory, and they freaking ripped live, too. So imagine my surprise when I like just reached out to him via email and he was just like, sure, I'll talk to you about. And I was like, I wanted to talk to him about that album specifically. <laughs> so I got to ask him like, hey, man, what's a, what was it like? like? How did that happen? How did that song get on there? And so it was cool to hear him talk about the process of that happening and how he like said it as like his walk up music playing with the Phillies because they're from Philly. Like, Dude. it was fucking bizarre. Dude, that's but shout out to Valencia. Shout out to EA for being tastemakers of a generation, my guy. Dude, those... And also Tony Hawk, because the soundtracks rip. Those soundtracks, like, especially... Did you get the remasters when they came out of the game? The Tony Hawk's? Yeah. I saw that they got them. Were they on Switch? Uh, so, no, I think that they just came out for Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah. See, I don't have, like, man, I don't have a platform. See, that's... But the newest platform I have is a GameCube. <laughs> I, well, well so, so anytime someone says that... I get really jealous because I feel like having a console, it's like a monkey on my back. Yeah. Because like now I feel like, well, I, I have to go play it. I have to play it. Whereas like when I when I just had a Switch and I wasn't playing Xbox or anything very much, I felt like it was much more of a fun hobby and not an all-consuming like, hey, thing. Here and there, I'll play. Yeah, dude. But Now you feel like you got to check in on uh, stuff. But yeah, that FIFA soundtrack, I remember I got into FIFA in 2000. Whenever the first World Cup was that I watched, I say that like... 02, maybe? Yeah, like 02 or... 02, 06. It's every four years. I think it was 06. So 06 was the first one that I really... <laughs> You're about to say, like, as if you know. I'm like, I yeah. do know. <laughs> no, I was, oh, no, I was going to say, like, as if you know when I specifically oh, started I watching you. soccer. <laughs> which, I mean, with the, with the way surveillance works, who knows? I've been watching you for years. But uh, this is all the game. He has a knife. He has a knife out. He's getting a knife out. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm jacked into your uh, water bottle, and I've been watching you through that. <laughs> I love it. I've been... Drink me. I'm Harold. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not Harold. <laughs> I was wondering what that meant. But I, uh, so I got into FIFA in 06. And I remember listening to that soundtrack. It was also the time when I was like trying to get into cool music. Not that the pop punk stuff isn't cool, but like, you know, like Arcade Fire and stuff like that. All right. All that kind of really cool stuff. And I remember I was really into like the Arctic Monkeys uh, at that time and still am. Everything that was like on Glastonbury. Oh, yes. Tea at the Park, like all those Palladia so after or, uh, concerts. Warp Tour for me, when my, my love for the Warp Tour faded, it went full on to welcome to Glastonbury. It was so All those great. festivals, man. Like yeah. there was that channel. I can't remember if it's like Palladia, Palladium. But yes. they played wall-to-wall -wall concerts. My friend had, like, uh, cable in high school. I didn't have cable, but mm -hmm. my friend had it. I would go watch it at his house, and we would just live on that channel. Yeah. And we watched several concerts as they happened, like, being broadcast from, like, Spain or something. That's so awesome. Like, middle of the day for us, but it's, mm -hmm. like, the night for them. Mm -hmm. Or it would be, like, 11 a.m. for us, but the night for them or something. And it'd be like, this is live right now. And we watched Coldplay. Um the Milo, or what was the one that had Paradise on it? Um, the Milo Calato or whatever yeah, it was. Paradise was. I've been. I just call it I Milo. Milo Zoto. Yeah, something, like, something that, like that. Which is he pulled. Like, I feel like Wayne Coyne did the same thing with that Flaming Lips album. 
oxymaloxy yeah, was at it where it's like, like that. just make up words hey, i love it that's if you, all hey. words are made up anyway that is true um it's true but so we watched like we would watch that just like on full blast he had like this badass like bose system and like dude and he had a huge tv and like we would just play it like full blast we watched a cold play we watched that cold play one and we watched uh kings of leon those are my guys mm-hmm. and we watched uh, one of their shows as the o2 arena show it's just like a fucking religious experience. It's crazy. Like I wish I would have been there. The Killers at uh, Royal Albert Hall. I mean, One of these the are like iconic, shows, iconic, dude. iconic shows. I uh, you mentioned this on on your last episode. Um, your love at the Kings of Leon, and I gotta say, yes. I'm right there with you, dude. I uh, now I'm one of those pretentious Kings of Leon fans where like my favorite Kings of Leon album is Aha Shake Heartbreak. Oh shit! And Followed very closely by Because of the Times. Really? So the I, old school stuff. Yeah. I So I like Aha Shake Heartbreak so much. I feel like it's such it's such a good album. And I've, I'm, I don't think I'm in the minority there. So I don't want to be like, no, it's you, such a good album. It's I'm the only person. Think, but like no, yeah, that album just, I, I didn't get into them really until um, Use Somebody and Sex on Fire. But then I kind of went Only back. Only by the night, baby. Yeah. yeah, you went back. That's oh, th- and that's just, awesome. And I just love it. And I really, you know, I really did enjoy Mechanical Bull quite a bit. It was good. I saw them on the Mechanical Bull tour at uh, at um, in Tulsa. Um, and I don't know. I've told the story a million times. I told the, the short version for you. We, my wife had bought me three hundred level. Bought us three hundred level tickets. She had actually, she was in nursing school at the time. She brought her literal book bag and was going to bring, was going to do her homework while she sat down because it's just like they're super busy in the nursing program like all the time. So she was like, I'm going to bring some of my notes. So she like brought her little purse and like had like notes in it or whatever, like a, a binder and planned on just sitting. But they were doing a thing where you could find their cousin that went on tour with them. And if you saw him, you would get upgraded to like the very front of the stage. Did you find him? Well, I walked in. I was like, "There's no way I'm gonna see that guy." Uh-huh. The literal first person I saw was him. <laughs> so I ran over to him, left my wife there. I take off running at this guy, and I was like, "Oh, his name's his nickname's Nacho. Mm-hmm. I think his name's Chris, but he goes by Nacho." I was like, "Nacho," and he was like, "Hey," I was like, "Can I have the front seats, please?" <laughs> and I took a picture with him and stuff. But oh, so we yeah. went from the 300 level to we were in front of even like the people that paid a, like the expensive seats at the very front they did a thing where they had this pit and you had to be following them you had to like know about what this thing that they were doing mm-hmm. like the real fans would know that they were doing this thing and so if you saw him there was this limited limited number of tickets you could get that got you in front so we went to the very front to the very middle of the the entire stadium from being in the 300 level dude and it was incredible that was like your your uh Mark Wahlberg rock star moment. It was fucking awesome. I love that so much. I have to much. show you video after, but it was nuts, man. But shout out to Kings of Leon, man. Is, because of the times, great fucking album. Is Arizona. Na- Dude, is so is uh is Nacho is that Matthew's brother? Uh well Matthew's the cousin. Yeah, Matthew's the cousin. But I think he's I he might be Matthew's co- brother because he I think Nacho is a cousin. Yeah. But I'm not sure he's either Matthew's brother or just another one of their um, and or uncle's sons, like just another cousin from somebody else. I'm trying to remember. I, I like I went on a really big Kings Leon kick back whenever I was kind of doing the retrospective and listening to all their old stuff. But so 
I know two of them are from Oklahoma and two of them are from Tennessee, right? I think. I think, I think, so, I think two or three of them were, I think some of them were born here, but I know three of them lived here. Because I think for some reason I thought Caleb and Nathan were from Tennessee. They might have, because they moved around. Well, I mean, of course, you know, Kings Leon, it's like, you know, their dad was a preacher. They mm-hmm. moved around a lot. And I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but I know they were at least they at least lived here for quite a time. Their dad still lives here. Such a good band, man. And uh, yeah, man, just good, good dudes. I remember talking to Kellen about them because he was like, "I never got why they called them the Southern Strokes." Like I can, I never saw the parallel. And I'm like, the Strokes have a very specific sound mm-hmm. and song structure. So if you look at the way that they structure their songs, a lot of things they do. Drums come in, do, 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 mm-hmm. treble guitar, and then yep. maybe like a moving bass line. Same thing Kings of Leon does. Especially on those first two albums. Uh, the bass, Jared's the unsung hero in that band. Like the yes. bass lines are just insane. The intro to Closer being on like that octave dun, jumper dun, on the bass. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I'm oh, like, yeah. what the fuck? I would have never known that was on a bass. It reminds me a lot of times, innovative bass is just, you know, we were joking earlier about, you know, bass player on life support yeah you know, <laughs> not actually like, plugged in it's this whole it's, it's like any band that does something cool with bass is always gonna step you know kind of jump out at me yeah there are a band that does that and then i remember do you remember the song hysteria by muse i'm like how the fuck is he playing that it's just it's have ins- you seen muse no and i want to bro i've seen the dvd <laughs> <laughs> i've seen them on tv these guys are fucking geniuses. I swear they're all brain lords. Like, it's just three dudes, but they're all, like, virtuosos at their m- instruments. I want them to do a Bond theme so bad. Oh, shit. That Can would be amazing. What was th- the opening track from Second Law, I think, sounds like a Bond theme already. And I remember, so I was, I was having this conversation. I'm a really big Another one of the Matt Gorley podcasts I listen to is called James Bonding. So it's Matt Gorley. <laughs> And Matt Myra, who used to co-host uh, The Nerdist with Chris Hardwick. Oh, yeah. And they um, they go through all the themes and, and you know, all, all their favorite theme songs and this and that. And I'm a really big fan of, like, terrible, the terrible James Bond movies. Like the Roger Moore, late 70s, early 80s kind of era James Bond, where every single theme was, like, almost like a like a contemporary adult pop song. You yeah. Know, like, um very much a style. Oh, yeah, like all-time high or for your eyes only yeah. or something like that. But I remember I was listening to it, and it was around the time that the uh, that the Duran Duran song came on, and then, oh, I don't remember who does The Living Daylights. It was the same band that they only had one more hit, I think, after that. But anyway, I was sitting there, I was thinking, I really want the 1975 to do a Bond thing. Ooh. But like... Okay, you might have fucked around and done something there. Yeah, That'd be just, cool. just like... Well, because Muse... And they're Brits. Dude, Muse. And so is Muse. And have you heard the um, the song that Radiohead sent in to be the theme for Spectre? I didn't hear it, no. Oh, my gosh. I think it was Spectre. It's, it's like there's like this whole level of the internet that has like the underground Bond themes. Like there's one that uh, I think Katie Lang did it for Tomorrow Never Dies. And so it's just like Interesting. the alt Bond themes. I say I haven't gotten into the, the deep dive Bond theme gang. So I don't know if you're this way, but I, I'm learning <laughs> that in order for me to really enjoy something, I have to know absolutely I, everything about it. I fuck with that heavy. I yeah. We're cut from the same cloth, my friend. Mm. I'm like, I should just know obscure details about everything. Yeah, it's like, what you know, 
there is no purpose in calling yourself a Star Wars fan if you don't know that the creature with Jabba the Hutt is a monkey lizard named Salacious B. Crumb, and the middle initial that's a B is actually just a B, and it doesn't stand for anything. Like, you need to know that to be a true <laughs> fan. You know what I mean? Right. You got to look for the one one three eights and all the all the movies. Just George Lucas's student ID number mm-hmm. from college. Oh yep. But I uh, no I I can't stop thinking about like I get obsessed with one specific thing and right now that thing is probably this is so strange James Bond but also Les Miserables. <laughs> so both the musical and the novel. I don't know uh, why. Yes. It's like. I feel like my mom tells a story that when I was a kid, I would wake up, and I don't know how much of this is mom embellishment, or I'm talking about my mother a lot on this podcast. Thank you, Doctor Freud, for yeah. having well, me we're on the couch on your here, show. Yeah. yeah, but um, but she said that I would wake up when I was a kid, and I would the first thing I would say, you know, wasn't something nice like "Good morning, how are you?" or you know, "Mom, it's so great to see you," or "Hey, Dad, how are you doing?" First thing I would say was, "Okay, so I have a really good idea." Whoa, and I'm convinced that. That's what happens when those kids grow up is we wake up and we're like, today, I think I'm going to get into boxing. I'm just going to dive head yeah. first into something for no reason, for no rhyme or reason. And that's that's why podcasts have been <laughs> so fun for me because like, you know, with, um, I feel like every podcast these days or every topic you could possibly want to know about has a corresponding podcast. Oh yeah, so for like, sure. I really, I mean, like, heck, even Les Miserables. Like, if you want to read Les Miserables by Victor Hugo, don't worry. There's a podcast from someone who analyzes it book by book in the original French and then translates it to English and tells you about the social and ball. Uh, the best like the things going on at the time yeah. and whatnot. Like, the best example is, I think, you know, one of my favorite podcasts, which is, do you listen to Star Wars Minute? No, I don't. It's literally exactly what it sounds like. It's these, it's these two guys, Alex and Pete, and they've gone through, so far, they're on The Last Jedi right now. They do it in release order. But they will watch one minute of a Star Wars movie and then talk about that minute for about 30 minutes. Oh, my God. And I've listened to A That's New Hope, fucking crazy. Empire, and dude, it's, but like. That's, I, you're going to have a lot of episodes, I mean. Yeah, man. It's, like, it scratches that itch, nice. though. And I feel like I, I, I either read this somewhere or heard it somewhere. That that's one of the big things with millennials is that we have this terrible habit. It may have been, I don't know if you know, um, Jacoby Ryan. He's a local artist around here. He's actually, he's from Lawton. He's an amazing rapper. He last, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, he had his project where he did 56 songs in 56 weeks. So he released a new rap song every week for a year. Jesus. But I think he may have been the one that said this, that one of the problems with millennials or one of the issues that we have is that we feel like we have to try and monetize somehow our, ha- our, our hobbies. Our hobbies, yeah. And so I feel like these podcasts that hyperanalyze everything that we could possibly want hyperanalyzed really feed into that because maybe that's kind of ties back to the reason why we all kind of have a little bit of anxiety is, is true. I want to know everything about everything and I know that there's a way out there to do it and if I'm not doing that, what am I doing? Well, I think like, some of it, too, is that we feel selfish for taking time for ourselves for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. Which is where the pressure of monetizing your hobby comes from. Exactly. Uh, my wife has done that a little bit, too. She's a she's so creative. She's one of those people that's obnoxious mm-hmm. because she'll be like, I want to learn how to do that. And then she'll learn how to do it and just be good at it immediately, and I hate it. Dude. But 
so she decided she wanted to. She's always been very crafty. She's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have like the left side and right side of your brain. Mm-hmm. She's very much both. Oh, like she's creative man. and also she's a nurse. Like she, and, and it's like that one of those things where we always seem like the ca- the typical like millennial couple maybe mm-hmm. that she's like she's the nurse so she's supposed to be more pragmatic and then I'm the creative like I work at an ad agency mm-hmm. so it's like oh my god like mm-hmm. it's like a sitcom waiting to happen. <laughs> Hijinks ensues, you know, but that's just not how she is. She's also very creative and very artsy. She draws, she paints, she does calligraphy, she uh, crochets, she sews, she does all that stuff. That's so cool. But she very much, like, I think she did feel pressure because people would start asking for things, and she felt a lot of pressure to not say no to them. Mm-hmm. And then she would get, she would kind of get anxiety about thinking that she was asking too much when she would ask for them to pay for it and i'm like dude you're making the thing which i think i think i was telling you i'm a type nine on the enneagram which Mm -hmm. is supposed to be like i don't like conflict and i don't want to make choices Mm -hmm. like but i have kind of this override when it comes to certain things and with her i have like this override where i'm like that's bullshit like they need to pay you that's and so she kind of has that pressure which she i mean she wouldn't mind me telling you this but she uh plus she's not gonna listen anyway but (laughs) uh she really like felt it during the pandemic that she had like so many projects in the hopper and then she just didn't she couldn't she froze she, like she didn't do any of these projects that mm-hmm. people had like contacted her about yeah and it's been i know she'd been thinking about it but i didn't i felt bad because it was like i didn't know it'd been weighing on her this much that the other day she'd asked me what she should do um I guess it bothered her enough that she like wanted to talk about it, but it was like, she was like, I'm going to make all this stuff that I promised people. I'm just going to send it to them for free. I was like, she was like, do you, can we spend the money to, I'm like, of course we can ship it to them. Like, I don't care to pay. Like, I want you to feel good and I want you to not feel like you let people down or that you're a bummer, like a bum or anything. But what she found was, which to my, um, that made me happy was that she reached out to these people and was like, man, you know, I'm just being honest with you. Like I took on these projects and then when the, when the pandemic happened, I just, it felt like I just was too much and I didn't Mm -hmm. do it. And I'm just reaching out now because I'm going to make it for you and I'm going to send it to you for free. Mm -hmm. And every single person she did that to insisted on paying for it. Yeah. And I was just like, damn, like that's crazy. What's her, what's her Enneagram type? I don't, she did it, and I can't remember now, and I'm trying to think, and I'm, like, kicking myself now, because somehow I knew you were going to ask me that. I, I, well, I asked that <laughs> And because I can't think of what it is. She I, might be a two, maybe? I'm convinced that she's somewhere around two, three, or four, yeah. because that's, uh, that's something. Fear of failure. That's fear, a three, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's this whole idea that, it's, it's like the emotional equivalent of your eyes being bigger than your stomach. Yeah, like, you're, like. I don't want to tell them no mm-hmm. because I don't want them to feel like I've let them down. And I don't want to feel like I let them down. And if I tell them no, then I'm letting them down. She's And then she, you overload yourself. I, I feel, too, that, you know, you kind of joked earlier about you all being the good typical millennial couple. But I feel like what you all have, at least by my estimation, is something that I'm lucky enough to have with my wife, which is you balance each other out very well. Because you have someone, she, she sounds like she and I are a lot alike in that I still freak out when I send someone a bill, despite the fact I'm in my head. I You've, know, 
I know in my head yeah. that I am worth this <laughs> and that I worked so hard to get to this level to be able to do this. But I'm still like, I mean, I don't know. I I really don't want to do this. But like, <laughs> like Leslie has been in all areas of life, not just professionally. Leslie has been so good about helping me realize my own worth, but also helping me realize my own limitations, which I feel like they're, they're two different things, but they're also connected. You know, the idea of, of your worth is, you know, kind of that perpetual imposter syndrome that we can sometimes feel. And just having someone like you around um, to, to, to tell her, like, look, what you're doing, this is, this is a good thing. Yeah. You're really good at it. Yeah. They, people, people aren't going to not want to pay you. It's not like a situation where you're having to ask them for money. Like they're expecting that and you shouldn't like, it's good that you have that because I'm someone who needs that a lot. Like, you know, when, whenever I was going just balls to the wall, crazy with podcast stuff, Leslie would have to be the one to be like, it's okay. People aren't going to be like mad at you if you don't do a new episode this week. And it'll be fine. And like, I still struggle with that to this day. I mean, like I have a finale for, for one of my shows coming out at the end of the month and it stresses me out that I haven't had a brand new episode since December, but you know, talking to some of the people who listen, they're like, no dude, take as much time as you need. We know we're, you're just doing this as a hobby right. for fun. This isn't your full-time job. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like thinking, especially like about your wife, it's like, wait a second. You mean you got overwhelmed when you're, in the medical industry during a pandemic. I know. Are you kidding me? You got overwhelmed. How dare you give us our stuff for free? I'm like, bruh. Yeah. It's which I mean, it was also that thing of like, I can't take away. Like I do want to her to feel validated and she doesn't need to be validated by any means, Mm -hmm. but I feel that because I just want her to have like that reassurance, you know, but also at the same time, like I'm, I do think that she should ask for, you know, to be paid for these things. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, I, f- okay, I'm, I empathize that you feel like you let this peop- these people down and it was a crazy year mm-hmm. and you didn't get that project done and they were expecting it. So like, I, I feel like why you, like, I know why you feel that way. So it was just like no question of like when she was like, you know, cause it's just like, it was, she was really telling me because she also wanted, she wanted to hear what I had to say, mm-hmm. what I thought. But it was also like a budget thing because, you know, as a couple, you do the budget. It's yeah. she's like, I'm going to pay. <laughs> I'm going to pay into this and not get anything back. Is that OK? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, like it's your self-worth and like you feeling fulfilled. Like that is worth some money sh- sending this thing. Yeah. And you I don't know. I just told her, think of like the people, too. I mean, and I told her before she even had started messaging these people. I'm like, I'm pretty sure most of these people are going to ask or tell you that they're going to pay anyway. I was like, and then if they don't, they'll remember that you were kind to them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, that's such a good way to think about it. And it's, I mean, like, dude, it's, I, I relate to your wife so much (laughs) in this moment. Cause like, so I had a Patreon account set up for this other podcast that I do. Um, and it's like, it is my pride and joy. I spend so much time and energy on it. I absolutely love it. Lo- like love writing it. Um, it's exactly what I want to do. It's all like horror fiction, original horror fiction that I write. And I was so excited about it. 
and so excited about sharing with people that I, even before I started producing episodes, I set up a Patreon and I had three different tiers and rewards at every tier for what I was going to do. And like, you know, one of the, one of the first, I mean, Ryan was one of the first top tier patrons and then also my other friends did it and some other people that I didn't know did it and it got time to actually sit down and start doing it, you know, as, as a full-time attorney. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. I don't have, this is overwhelming. I don't have time to write, record, produce episodes as well as in between episode content, behind the scenes, plan things. I don't have All time to do this. stuff, yeah. And so I ended up kind of doing a little bit of what your wife did where, you know, I, they've already paid me because it's Patreon, Ooh, yeah. but I felt so bad about it that I was like, um... So I, I sent them all copy, like free copies of my short story collection that I signed and personalized. He's like, I don't know what else to do. I feel bad because it's like, I think it all comes down to a, by, by endorsing this, by paying this, by, by offering your, your money, your hard earned money to something that I believe in and something I'm doing, that's in turn believing in me. And therefore as a type uh, three, four people pleaser, I am horrified at the thought of letting someone down or making them feel like they made the wrong choice by by putting any amount of their faith in me which is i mean when when i put it that way it's it's almost kind of a narcissistic way to think about it and one of the things that leslie's kind of helped me see and helped me to realize is that people you know they they really don't care as much about that kind of stuff and if you don't have time to do something, if you don't want to do something, you have to cancel something, if you get overwhelmed, people don't care that much to get upset. Yeah, they're not like, you're not... <laughs> they're not sitting by the phone being no. like, where's my this bonus episode? This guy didn't do this thing, he, he and now he's dead to me. He promised me a 30-minute episode <laughs> talking about the references in his made-up <laughs> podcast. How dare he? The nerve of this guy. Yeah, but... I was talking to my therapist about that, too. I was mm-hmm. like... Uh, I've been seeing her for a couple of years and it was like the thing of like when I first started seeing her the kind of the aha moments I started having when I'm like oh shit yeah I do that and that's kind of not great <laughs> but it was like that thing of um, you know I would tell her like yeah I'm like I feel like I'm bothering people whenever I reach out to them like when I text my friends I'm like uh, like I don't think they even really like me. Maybe they secretly are like, "Fuck this guy," yeah. and I'm like, "Why is that?" And so she's just like, "Dude, like, just don't do that." Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in so many words. <laughs> so that's. That I was like, "Oh fuck! I did. How did? How did I not uh-huh. think of that? I should just not do that." Yeah, no, that's, that, <laughs> dude. That is that is so true. And honestly, 2020 ha- has done so many just awful things to so many people, and. One of the things I've been, you know, I was blessed enough to not have any family, you know, affected by the virus, nothing like that. Um, But one thing that it's really done to me and to a lot of people I know who kind of have our personality type is it's forced us to spend a whole lot of time in our own heads. Yes. And because of that, a lot of things that on any normal day we wouldn't care about, they stew. It's like... It's, it's like as an entire society, we have been sitting and thinking about 
wait, why is my girlfriend not calling me back? Oh, yeah. no, wait, she must have gone to a party. Wait, if she went to a party, she had to walk on the street. Wait, if she's walking on the street, what if she got hit by a car? Wait, if she got hit by a car and it's dark, what if the car drove away? Wait, it's like we just She was snowballed. just like in the shower. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> or it's like, you know, a, cl- a classic Leslie move is, oh, sir, yeah, my phone was on. My phone was yeah. on silent. I did, oh, I wasn't by my phone. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought you were dead in the ditch, but okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh, but dude, it's, it's just, <laughs> it's, I'm really, really hoping that... And I think I really think we will. I think that we're all going to come out of this um, a lot better than we went into it. Um, and, but also, it's okay if you don't. It's okay if you come out worse. Like in in and of like I'm listening to what I'm saying as someone like me who could potentially be listening to this, and you're like, oh crap, what if I don't come out better? Right. It's like, no. Now I have pressure to come out of this better. Little little person listening to this show who might be like me and might be like Harold. It's okay if you come out exactly <laughs> the same. It's okay if you're still a caterpillar. We don't really care, just as long as you still come out of this, you know, uh, yourself. But I I'm I'm really hopeful that that I will take the time that I used during the pandemic and and move forward and and continue growing it's they did uh i'm a big fan of of stoicism i started practicing stoicism um around i think like 2017 i got turned on to ryan holiday and ryan holiday turned me on i got excuse me i got turned on to tim ferris you know the four-hour work week kind yeah of yeah yeah and then he turned me on to ryan holiday I ended up liking ryan holiday more because he seemed less hokey <laughs> and uh, and Ryan Holiday turned me on to, you know, Marcus Aurelius and, and oh wow, some like and all that stuff. Yeah, it's the classical oh shit. Oh my gosh, dude! And it's just it's been an absolute game changer because specifically, if you're looking for for just something insane to just read, if you're stressed, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. He, he wrote those, you know, when he was uh, he was l- leading the entire Roman Empire during the middle of a pandemic. And it's just about how he was able to not let any of that go to his head, how he was able to not let any of that stress stress him out. And this sounds so gauche. That's not even the right word. It sounds so, I don't know, dumb to say this, but it's like, Cliche. That's the word I'm looking for. See, I, I look around and the words are floating. <laughs> I found it. I found words it are floating. There. I grabbed it. Your Beth Harmon did. You were looking up the Queen's Gambit at the pieces up there. Just grabbed it. Knight to Queen Six. Uh, so cliche is that those lessons are so applicable today still. Yeah. Um, the human condition hasn't changed. I mean, you know, we, we like to think that we uh, that we're so much better than we used to be but we're, dude we're running on same the same shit, it's the same day. os it's the same os yeah it's it's like we're the op we're the <laughs> we're opposite of, we're the same we're the opposite of iphones we've it's been just, on high sierra for a minute gosh dude it's like the phones get nicer but we're still on you know the 2007 ios which <laughs> i'm i'm fine with i just kind of wish i could copy and paste emotionally That's, sometimes that but, is true but no man i i'm sitting here and like i'm thinking back on Somehow we made it from the OC to music to uh, cancel culture to Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, I don't. It's like what is? I did not. When I got here, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. Mm-hmm. I did not think Marcus Aurelius was gonna come up today. <laughs> me either. <laughs> I, uh, no, I I joke around and and I think about this a lot when I listen to uh, when I listen to episodes of of uh, keeping up with the Coens. It's like. I don't know how much of my relationship with with Chelsea, like I know my relationship with Chelsea, I know my relationship with Ryan, I know their relationship with me, 
but I'm trying to figure out how much of it is all of us having like this group think, okay, this is our act. Yeah. Ryan, you're the straight the man. Bit. This is what we're going to do. And it's always really interesting, you know, when I when I talk to Ryan outside of the podcast, or I talk to Chelsea outside of the podcast, and I realize we're actually kind of, it's just, it's it, it, you know, we're the Beatles when we're together, but like Paul McCartney's solo stuff is Isn't completely different. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's not, we're better together. Right. But, um, I don't even know. I probably, I'm in the Ringo, I think, of the group. <laughs> God. So. Well, Ooh. someone's got to be Ringo. Are you ready for some football? <laughs> I've got blisters on my fingers. <laughs> but I, uh, I have to ask because you brought it up. Okay, go and ahead. And I'm curious. What are your three favorite animes? Oh, okay. Real quick before, while we wrap up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Top three, definitely Outlaw Star. Okay. That's number one. Uh, oof. Number two, I'm going to have to give it the Gundam Wing. Okay. Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. Oh, the third one. Third one probably have to be another classic. Probably Yu Yu Hakusho. It's probably a tie between Yu Yu Hakusho and big, uh, the Big O. I have never seen any of those, and so I'm going to watch them. Okay. I got the Blu-rays of Outlaw Star. I can let you borrow them shits. Actually, I have Gundam Wing, too, on... Dude, I need to... Box set. We'll do a box set rewatch of (laughs) podcast of Gundam Wing. You've not seen it, so you'll watch it anew, and I'll watch it as the the veteran, and we'll do episodes. Keeping up with the Gundam. (laughs) Keeping up up with the kaiju. Dude, I'm going to need to watch those after I finish... Oh, gosh. Attack on Titan. Oh, nice. And Ghost in the Shell. Oh, Standalone. Standalone complex. Standalone complex. Nice. But, man, this is a good conversation. I know, man. I appreciate you stopping by. Of course. Uh, To wrap up, why don't you tell people where they can follow your work online, follow you online, uh, all that good stuff. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, Keeping Up with the Cones is not my only project as much as sometimes I want it to be. Um, You can follow me on Instagram at uh, Dylan Irwin and on Twitter at, at Dylan Irwin, but it's spelled cool. I think it's D-Y-L-N-R-W-N. It's definitely in the show notes for Keeping Up with the Coens, but you can also hear me uh, shortly, beginning again, weekly, on Keeping Up with the Coens, an OC box set rewatch podcast. Um, you can hear me for the last time at the end of this month on the finale of my short fiction horror podcast, The Nightgate Journal, um, that I do with my wife. And you can... Oh, gosh, what's the new thing? Oh, yeah, the Millennium Falconers Book Club is going to be premiering on May the 4th. It's going to be a podcast oh, about... Oh, shit, that's perfect. Oh, it's great, dude. It's about Sorry Star Wars. It's uh, the, the original plan was my uh, my dear friend, Dr. Ryan Schlesinger, and I were going to cover all the canon novels so people didn't have to read them to know what was going on in Star Wars. But then we realized we're probably going to want to cover more stuff. So we'll talk about Star Wars. We'll talk about the work of uh, Joseph Campbell and uh, mythology within the human consciousness and probably some Tolkien stuff like that. But, um, dude, thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course, man. Um, as always, guys, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Dylan, thank you so much. Thank you. 